Hello, and welcome back to We Heart Hartnett, the podcast dedicated to exploring the filmography of Josh Hartnett, movie by movie. I am Patrick Willems. And I am Jacob Torpy. And my name is Matthew Torpy. Hello. So how's everyone doing today? Because I feel like garbage. What happened? You woke up with a, some sniffles? I've, I've, I've got some sniffles. Uh, I've got a cold. My face has been exploding <laughs> all day. I ran out of tissues, and then before I came here, I went to the supermarket and bought two more bags of tissues. I just chugged a bunch of Dayquil. Nice. Uh, I have, because we're recording in Jake's apartment and he does not have any tissues, I have a, <laughs> a roll of paper towels next to me, and heads up, listeners, I will periodically be... Stepping away from the mic to sneeze and blow my nose because I'm a sneezy boy today. A little sneezy yeah, boy. Yeah, you thought eating on mic was bad, huh? Yeah. Now we well, got now snuffling on mic. Got a snuffle up, I guess, over Did here. hear that in the background? Freaking Patrick Williams. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I'll report back. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I won't report back. You'll find out if that, that, that <laughs> nose see. blow, which I did like three feet away from the mic, yeah. was audible. But anyway, that's going to be happening because look. The show must go on. The show must go on. Sickness can't stop us, and... Our love conquers sickness. We need to... It doesn't conquer sickness. It transcends. No, it's still sick. It, it, it just, just transcends. It's just it, yeah. that we, we had locked us into the schedule. It's just a different and, thing from sickness. <laughs> and you know what this I mean? episode has to be released tomorrow night, and oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the one thing, time that worked. So. Pat's heart is full to bursting with love for Josh, as, as his nose is full to bursting with mucus. Because <laughs> I would do anything <laughs> for Josh. <laughs> Speaking of Oogie Boogies, it's season two of Penny Dreadful. Ooh, a show full two, of Oogie baby. Boogies. Woo. I mean, this is this is wild. We're talking about the same thing two yeah, we weeks in a row, and then it will be three. But because oh, yeah. Josh didn't really make any sequels. Oh, oh, sequels to his actual feature films? No. Yeah. No. We save the missed opportunity from being in the new Halloween movie. Which is a and shame. Really, I think it's a shame. Yeah, as excited about that movie as I am, every time I see the trailer, I turn to whoever is sitting next to me, even if it's a stranger, and say, where's yeah. Josh? Where's Josh? Where's Josh? And uh, so, yeah, so that is, I mean, that's one of the great issues in our culture right now, why Josh Hartnett is not in the new Halloween movie, but... Uh, they but, give um, Laurie Strode a daughter in the new no, movie? No, no, is that what they're doing? Played by Judy Greer. Uh, no, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure what they're doing is the the selective sequel thing, yeah. where they're like, this is a sequel to these movies in the franchise, but we're going to pretend other ones didn't exist. Kind of like how uh, I think Halloween H2O right. sort of forgets about, ignored... like Season of the Witch or whatever. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Season of the Witch isn't even <laughs> the same universe, yeah, but like... The other Michael Myers ones, right. like uh, the one with Paul Rudd and mm. stuff like that. And uh, actually, what's weird is the new Halloween, which is confusingly called Halloween, is basically doing what Halloween H2O did. It's like, okay, let's ignore all of them after Halloween 2, and okay. then we'll have Jamie Lee Curtis return to the franchise. But this time, I guess they're going to do it better. You know what I would love to reboot? What? Like... All the old Z-list horror movies that I I, I watched in like high school, because I'm wondering, you know, you've got Mike, you've got all of the main franchises. You got Friday the Thirteenth, you've got you know Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare Street. On Elm Street, which so, were both rebooted by Platinum Dunes, Michael Bay's production company. Plat- and not that successfully either. Platinum Dunes is a very stupid name. <laughs> yeah, well, well, some of uh, the Platinum Dunes remakes because. 
for years they were just in the business of remakes mm-hmm. they did the they came out strong out the gate with the texas chainsaw massacre remake Rare, they yeah, did like good. the amityville horror remake right. uh, is jessica like, beale in that one she's in Te- texas chainsaw massacre uh Reap. ryan reynolds is in the amityville horror one i remember they, that they did yeah. a bunch of these and i i think it was after people weren't really into both friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street then they kind of shifted away they actually and then they uh they produced uh, A Quiet Place earlier this year, which is a huge hit. And they're just like, yeah, we're not going to do remakes anymore. Good for right, them. Please. More original content. That's great. Also, this they is just... the first time a studio has ever learned that lesson, it seems like. Also, I think they just remade everything. Yeah. <laughs> There's no more <laughs> IPs that they you can, think they're good, they can try they and reboot. Exhausted the horror <laughs> right. genre. Blumhouse snuck in and like grabbed the things like Halloween that they didn't have. And now Blumhouse is like just collecting all of, you know, like truth or dare i feel like they're just gonna run down like a full list of games here meanwhile a24 with yeah. the higher tier art house horror movies oh yeah, yeah. with the witch i wanted hereditary. to make, okay but what i wanted to do was uh, uh basket case you want to see that no i've no. seen the poster for it though that's like the little creature that lives there's in this the... little creature called belial and he lives in the basket and he kills people this sounds like the most matt torpy movie ever it's good yeah. you guys should see it but i want there's so many things like that i would love to redo uh <laughs> The Phantasm. I know there's like six of those movies. Oh, yeah. Phantasm would be fun. You know what should get remade too? And uh, is uh, Monkey Shines. Oh, the one you love so much. Yeah. And, but like <laughs> instead of a small like gibbon, have somebody have an actual gorilla gibbon. in the house or something like that. Let's do like, like a CGI monkey. Wait, set what's set the... it in Texas where people own tigers just casually in their backyard anyways, but have it be some wealthy oil tycoon or something like that. Well, yo, what's that? He's got um, a gorilla in a cage in his backyard. What's that Edgar Allan Poe short story where... The this... Raven. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yo, oh, reboot, right. Reboot the I, Raven. I read a book or two in my time. It's the Raven. <laughs> yeah, you dripped a book or two because of your cold. Oh. I can't control what my nose does. <laughs> uh... No, the one it's the, it's a weird it's one of the weirder ones where the like cask of Amontillado. Shut up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the Telltale Heart. All right, you think of it. Do you know? No, but I was gonna tell you. Okay, sorry, describe sorry. it. <laughs> Don't get mad and describe it. This is a podcast <laughs> about Josh Hartnett. Yeah, I am made of light. I transcend all. I'm not okay. angry. So um, Matt at Edgar Allan Poe. It's a short story. I don't, it's going to be disappointing because I don't know what it's called, but I just know that it's this like beast sort of strangles people or kills people in this town. Like Josh and Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Indeed. And uh, then it turns out that it's like, but everyone thinks it's like this like sort of uh, Jack the Ripper type. Like Josh and Penny Dreadful. Like Josh and Penny Dreadful. Mm. Keeping uh, it on topic. Because like people like sort of see this figure and it's got like a top hat and like clothes on. Yeah. But then I forget what how they end up in like f- tracking it and like finding its house, but they see the top hat and coat and stuff like hung up on the coat rack, and uh, it's got super long arms and a little tiny pants, and it turns out to be like a gorilla. Whoa. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking like about. This, I don't like, know the monkey. name of that story either, but yeah, yeah, they end up finding out the murderer is a monkey that wears like a suit. Yeah, right? it's like the silliest. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's one of those like, weird ones. It's just like, like bedtime for Bonzo <laughs> or something. It, it's like a horror story, and then it turned out to be a comedy in the end. Yeah, yeah it was like a monkey. A, hilariously killed them instead of <laughs> gris, gr- gruesomely killed them. Well, actually, guys, since we, we were kind of talking about this, uh, like, what is your top choice for, like, the, what would you like to see remade? Or, or even, like, a bigger question, if you could make or be in charge of, of a remake, what should be a remade? remake? 
I have my really, go- really hard question. I have, I have my go-to answer. Well, you say yours first, because yeah, I you need go. to think. I actually okay, haven't really got I, one in the chamber. I want a remake of Event Horizon. Oh, because yeah, I, I agree with you. I yeah. love that premise. Yeah. I love a lot of the design work mm-hmm. in that movie, and yeah. I think it starts out pretty cool, and then, for me at least, it totally falls apart. And I'm just like, ah, oh, but just like, you know, it, like great, that great. means skinned Sam Neill doesn't intrigue you. I mean, there's like the last hour of that movie is just non. Uh, some of it's kind of fun, but it's nonsense. But like the the build up to it is is so it's it, intriguing. I mean, just like that. I you never see that melding of like big sci-fi like in space mm. with satanic horror. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Oh, like, I mean, like, you like, know, like uh, what's the Morrison thing? Oh, uh, uh, there's the Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham comic, Nameless. Yeah. That gets into some similar territory, but is, like, way more out there because it's written by Grant Morrison. Right. But that could be cool to that, adapt. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if someone has the rights to that. Probably. Yeah. But the, the, the thing with Grant Morrison comics is the reason very few— Of all the legendary comic book writers, he's had the fewest works adapted <laughs> because they're just the hardest but to. But then, like, Happy yeah. comes out on television. And that's it's because like, it's one of the— That's the, crazy, The yeah. few Grant Morrison comics, it's like, oh, that can be made on a, re- on a TV budget relatively simply. Give me the money. <laughs> money? Give me— the Denis Villeneuve Dune budget equivalent, yeah, and I will make the filth. Oh, the uh, filth would be a fun thing to see. The filth would be so fucking rad to see on film. Also, Matt, because you you mentioned it right there, I realized we haven't talked for so long about the campaign that we've started. <laughs> oh yeah. So remember, if anyone listening, if uh, if Denis Villeneuve, by is, anyone is listening, we mean Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> if if Timothée Chalamet uh, is listening, or or Rebecca Ferguson because she was More cast. More like Timothée Chalamet may be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Matt. That that is a level Timothy of wit. Let me. <laughs> That's a level of wit that people listen to this podcast for. But yeah, a little bon so, mo for you. <laughs> so if Denny or Timothée or Rebecca are listening to this, or anyone else involved in the upcoming adaptation of Dune, remember, please get in touch with us because our own Matt Torpy mm. would really, really like to die on screen in that movie. I have, I, I have, am pretty yes. much the only person to direct Matt on screen, and I have done it. More times than I can count over <laughs> would like to have. the past 14 years. I can tell you he is probably the best person I've ever worked with when it comes to dying on screen. Matt yeah. is natural. Mm. Uh, he's good at saying lines, but he doesn't even have to do that. Just let Matt die in Dune. Yeah, Hashtag I, I let Matt die in Dune. Really. Get in touch with us. Uh, tweet at Matt, at, uh, at Matthew Torpy on Twitter. Just uh, just like drop us an email, uh, heartharden at gmail.com, because we just like... Like people making the Dune movie, reach out to us because we want to make this happen. Yeah. We like like make. I mean, Matt is not dying, uh, but pretend in that, real life. What do you mean? In real life? I mean, this is not like a Make a Wish situation. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah. but just like just, mean, but but frail. even but look, even though Matt is going to live for years, make his wish come true anyway, and let him die in Dune. Yeah, Matt really, really wants to die in Please. Dune. Please, and honestly, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It'll probably give me also a little bit of a cathartic release seeing oh, my brother die. Also, I will, yeah, the more gruesome, the better for Jake. Even <laughs> I will as see the he movie. jerks off to the scene. He <laughs> hey, loops. Hey, 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 that was. 
you read between the lines too quickly. Yeah. All right, that was supposed to be left unsaid, but I yeah, mean, that's it was happen. accurate, but still, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, sorry. Also, I promised to see the movie the ten pod. times in theaters, so uh, there's some money you'll get from me. Uh, and, and just so that'll be thirty hours of viewing experience for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I listen. I commit. I I will die in any of the scenes which call for it. So you know, if you're missing, uh, you need a slot in your uh, casting space. You've you've got a person, and they're here. And yeah. they're willing to do whatever. Whatever. He'll God. do anything. It's going to be well, so hard to get in touch yeah, with right, Well, don't say that. Also, These days also, in Hollywood, just don't say true. that. Also, Matt is not in SAG, so you don't even have to pay him regular <laughs> SAG wages. You could just yeah. give me a donut, and I'll show up for like 48 hours of foot filming. Yeah, just, just five minutes at the craft services table, and mm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, kind we, bars. We will start a GoFundMe <laughs> to like get Matt to fly out to set. You don't even have to pay for that. We'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Hey, you don't even got to do shit. Also, speaking <laughs> of makeup. things that we want to happen, uh, we would like Josh Hartnett to come on this podcast and talk to us. Yeah. Uh, Josh, we where are you? We have so much to ask you. Uh, you are a really, really hard man to reach. I've been trying. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'll say. Um, (laughs) Don't make us use cryptocurrency to pay for some sort of tracker. You know what I'm saying? Just look, if anyone has any connections to Josh Hartnett, please uh, reach out to those connections and let them know that three very nice boys in the the greatest city in the world. We're nice. (laughs) Would like to talk to Josh. Yeah. Listen, yeah, if you got a guy, and yeah, you got some friggin' guy. And look, here's the selling point, too. We know you better than anyone else, okay? <laughs> your wife, your <laughs> children. Second, second to your family, all caveat. Uh, second to your family. Look, do you think Tamps Negerton has seen Town and Country? <laughs> I doubt it. We can, have. Can you imagine if she's like, Josh is like, oh, you want to check out like some That's of these old That's her favorite movies? movie that he's done. <laughs> Town and Country. That um, was, that was uh, how they really connected, because Josh has always felt really strongly about that one movie, and no one else likes it. No one fuck. sees what I'm doing in there. She was starstruck as soon as she saw him, because she just like flashed back to that scene when he was walking through the snow with his sister and saw his dad in a bear suit getting blown, <laughs> and was just like, oh my god, I, oh, I've never forgotten that scene. And, and she gasped, remember that young the kid. son of Stoddard. <laughs> son of Stoddard. <laughs> son of Stoddard. Yeah. So this look, is, now we're going back to the Stoddard bloodline. Yeah, uh, from the past. Yeah, we you could know? probably figure out how to tie it into Penny Dreadful. Oh, sure, it's all one unified universe. But all I'm saying, Josh, is that look, us three, we know you pretty well. We've been following your career, and we've seen some movies that are that sure are deep cuts. We're gonna ask you questions that are gonna be so much more Gross. interesting and and deep cutting. And an understanding of your career path and where you want to go than any other press interview or junket that you've ever done before. We We're see gonna, you. We know you, man. And we are going to be able to give you the interview of a lifetime where you're truly going to be able to speak your mind. You're going to smoke a fucking cigarette after this interview. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you want to or not. Yeah. So just come talk to us. We got, yeah. we got a lot of interesting questions that, I swear to God, you've never been asked before. <laughs> <laughs> At least not... Like, like at the same time. Yeah. And if yeah. that came off like a threat, I, look, I, I, you, I mean, you, you know, no, it, make of it what you will. What is funny is uh, I realized that we're coming up on one year. Uh, so <laughs> Jesus I, I, Christ. Uh, no, I mean, 
I've got to check my my uh, text history with Jake. Yeah. Uh, but one year since I first had the idea to do this podcast. Is that how you judge it based on the text to me where it was like, Hey, let's do this thing. Well, cause I was talking to Matt yeah, and that I was, was like, awesome. that was when we were like, this is going. To yeah. Happen. It's like yeah. Matt, we heart it a podcast yeah. about Josh Hartnett and a uh, nice one, Matt. <laughs> and then I texted Jake and then Jake took a while to re- respond because at first uh-huh. he was not into it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're coming up on, on a year since this idea began. And yeah. so we have spent a lot of time with our boy, Josh. Oh, We've yeah. thought about him a lot. We have watched so much of what he's been, we're we're we're, we're coming close. close to seeing everything. We're that very he's done. close. We're very yeah. close, and uh, and we're just that's it. Just Josh, we are like the Josh Hartnett experts. Yeah, and uh, and look, I've got a degree in cinema studies, <laughs> and uh, so I think I know what I'm talking about when I when I, when I discuss film. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know this is I am not just some like crazed rabid fan. I am a scholar. We all are. Hey, cinema. hey, I'm a communications major. <laughs> all and right. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> so we also so kind of know good. what we're talking about as well. We know how to at least talk because uh, <laughs> of because communication. <laughs> also, I, I, I'm a man yeah. who, who, who earlier today <laughs> by, an, by an angry person on Twitter was referred to as a Hills Have Eyes reject. <laughs> <laughs> who said this? This the is fucking gonna, rules. This, <laughs> <laughs> that guy's mean as oh, fuck. You missed this? Really no, funny. What did he oh, say? What's really so, It's going to come as a shock of what caused this. So he doesn't I, like that you don't like potholes. Uh, close. Okay. I tweeted a joke about yeah, how yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder fans are bad because <laughs> okay. they are notoriously the most... Toxic of all fandoms. Right. And then this one guy replies five times. Uh, and uh, one of... Uh, I, I've, I've got... I screenshotted them all and then I blocked him. Uh, yeah, well, don't give him too much, you know. Play, right. But uh, I, I think his first one is LMAO. This is priceless. It's fun seeing the asshole salty pricks like these squirm like worms. They cannot handle true creativity. They only enjoy homogenized filtered bullshit. It's bell ends like these that I all caps <laughs> laugh at with glee. Bell ends. Three, a dick. three, three laughing, uh, three crying laughing emojis. Then hashtag Joker. Hashtag release the Snyder cut. Hashtag Batman. <laughs> oh, dude, this guy sounds like he's joking. And uh, yeah, he sounds like a fake troll. Oh, no, yes. no, no, no. yeah, no, he's he's really not. I uh, his you uh, into it. Yeah, apparently he's been around. He just does this a lot. Uh, oh my god, his. Uh, his avatar is uh, is already a picture of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, and uh, and then he just tweeted at me. Is a he bunch. pro or con? What is what? Are, what are the Snyder fans? Well, and the original like Christopher Nolan heads thinking of the new well, Joker. Here, is that floating around no, no, the internet? Yet? This is what caused it all. Yeah, but because you know how Todd. Joe Phil- Quinn is going to do a good job. Yeah. So uh, Todd Phillips, director of the Hangover movies, is directing this uh, Joker origin movie. Right. Um, <laughs> And my tweet last night was, I just had a terrifying thought. What if the Zack Snyder fanboys latch onto Todd Phillips the same way? And <laughs> which I think would be terrifying yeah. and sort of funny. Uh, if all of a sudden they're like studying uh, old school for like like the genius messages in it. And hey, subjects- I mean, it's a better, you know, source to look at for 
I mean, look, yeah, I, nothing bad can come out of revisiting old school. That movie's hilarious, I think. I haven't seen it in You're a long time. You're my boy, Blue? I mean, <laughs> come on. Wrestling in a tub full of KY jelly? But Pat, come on. Come on. Hills of Eyes reject is... Oh, it's good. It's really good roast. Someone said I looked like, uh, I looked like Ricky Berwick. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't know who that is. I mean, it's not funny because of... He's got a uh, uh, developmental disorder. It's, it's funny because how specific it is. But he's Who like said a, that to you. Um, somebody on some one of the I don't know one of the videos. Oh, uh, okay. But that was funny. Uh, not nice to me. Uh, no, I mean all all I was saying is that okay. I am I am a person who was referred to as a Hills Have Eyes reject today, <laughs> and uh, so just as a way of saying like Josh. Come on the podcast. We're uh, a delightful, colorful bunch uh, who have wonderful fans <laughs> oh, yeah. who One say nice us. things about One us. One of us. Yeah. And so, what's the freaks chant? That's it. That's yeah, okay. it. And uh, and so, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot, like on Jeremy. 180. I'm, I'm gonna do like an expert level pivot Jeremy right pivot. here. Okay. Because Josh. We want you to come on the podcast because we are so well-versed in everything wow. you've done. We have watched the low points in your career, the things that you're probably not proud of. But we have also, very recently, seen some of the high points. Oh, yeah. One of those high points is Penny Dreadful Season 2. Season mm. 2. We are deep in it now. We are two-thirds of the way through the Penny Dreadful saga. Yeah, the biggest— the Vanessa Ives saga, if Exactly. You With, as well as Ethan Talbot— as we now no. know his real name. And so, guys, I'm just going to toss this out there. Yeah. I think I enjoyed season two more than season one. Oh, yeah. I agree. It's way better. The production value is better. The writing's better. I think the characters are sussed out a little bit more. Um, yeah. It's a great and season. And it's interesting because, I don't know, like, when you were watching this, because it is so, um, what is it? Just unselfconsciously macabre, but, like, histrionic and melodramatic yeah. and stuff. I forgave a lot of things that I thought were silly that yeah. normally I would nitpick if this were like a out and out really self-serious drama because of the fact that it was like a it's, silly melodrama. Is this season one you're thinking? No, it's it actually was even more so for this one because there are like behaviors and sort of like moments that... Yeah. Uh, kind of made me laugh i'm like why is this ha- like this is so like no one's re- would react this way or right like, right right and then uh but Wait, can you just, give an example like just something silly that you thought was weird in the season well we were talking about uh uh so josh he massacres everyone at the mariners Inn in the first season right yeah right there's a survivor one of the pinkertons that tried uh, to oh yeah i love that bring guy. him back and he wears this fun leather mask to hide the half of his face that was completely shredded by werewolf claws. josh's claws um, but he just, his storyline is so funny to me because he heals. He doesn't tell the other police commissioner from Scotland Yard anything because he wants to personally take out his revenge on Josh. Right. He finally recovers. He, for whatever reason, walks into the manse of, uh, oh, know, uh, Miss, um, uh, Timothy Dalton's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that happens, and he just says he's going to kill Josh Hardin. <laughs> and Josh is just like, no. And it's funny because he's seen Josh turn into a werewolf before. Yeah, and like, essentially kill every single yeah, this other guy person in the room barely that he's been survived. In. Yeah. yeah, and he's just like, and now his whole goal is to kill him. And then he strolls into a dining parlor in the house and is just like, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to 
haunt your every waking moment and nightmare. And he's just like, I'm the werewolf. You, I could kill I'm you. I'm the night. <laughs> I'm the night. And then finally, he somehow, by means that are not really fully fleshed out, tracks Josh and Ava Green to the middle of nowhere. To the middle yeah, of nowhere in the morning. house. Because he, house. because as he said, it's easy to find a six foot three American. Which no, it's not. Yeah, uh, I don't care if you're a Pinkerton. And then he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, but and then I'm gonna fuck Ava Green and then kill her. And then he just gets <laughs> that is absolutely. It's such a fun cold it's, open. It's maybe my favorite fight scene of the whole season. Yeah, is the way better than the witch's fight scene. Yeah, like he just. It's a good fight. Like, he hurts all of them, but, like, he just gets stabbed repeatedly by Ava Green at the last minute. I also like that. You can tell she's never really stabbed someone before yeah. or doesn't have a lot of experience with this because she stabs him and there's, like, the hesitation and then just stabs him again and just mm-hmm. keeps stabbing him. But what's great about Vanessa Ives, why Ava Green is the tour de force so far for two seasons, yeah. is she is the, you know, the crux of the whole storyline, but also she gets to be kind of badass. She gets to have it both ways. Yeah. She is like the most like elegant, like beautiful, poised person. And then she's also like maybe the most cold blooded and evil. And she just really hurts people and kills yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> she really hurts people and, and murders people in horrific ways. And then will, you know, the next scene be sort of smiling and finally yeah. and, fi- and seem fine and just quote verse with a. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Frankenstein's monster at a <laughs> soup kitchen, and uh, and then just go back to the next day and fight witches again. She really can pivot back and forth. Yeah, um, but I, I, that is my favorite fight scene of the whole season because also he takes off the mask and you get yeah. to see the gnarly, his like, flappy, fucked up yeah. face he's got. Yeah, <laughs> his flappy, fucked his up weird face. tooth that's just out there. There's, there, it's funny that this whole season, season two, the main baddies are these, you know, witches. Which the one coven. thing I found kind of funny about the show is they're hard to distinguish from the vampires of the first season a little bit. Took me a second because a they are episodes. also pale and naked, pale, <laughs> naked, and bald, and run around and have fangs yeah. and uh, look like vampires. Um, so it took me a second to even realize like they had to differentiate. It's like, oh no, these aren't vampires; these uh, are witches, the nightcomers. And I was like, okay. Right. Um, but every time they get in fights with the witches, I never quite felt the sense of personal injury and damage that I did during this one fight with the Pinkerton guy. Like, yeah. That, that was, was the most dirtier. viscerally painful fight scene of the entire season. Right. I will um, say, um, so one of the things that I preferred yeah. about this season to season one sure. is uh, is that the, the antagonists, the witches this time, were yeah. just way more developed and I had a better sense of, because they had a home base and like a motivation. Right. And, and like relationships a, amongst each other. Yeah, exactly. Like we knew what they were up to while we talked about it in season one. It just seemed like every so often they'd be like, well, eh, let's go hunt some vampires. And they'd yeah. go to a place and they'd be like, Oh, there's vampires here. And they'd stab some and then they'd go home. <laughs> and it just like, we didn't know what the vampires were really like. We knew that the master had taken Mina, yeah. but we didn't really know what they were up to or what they wanted to do. Or it didn't seem like the vampires had much of a plan. And I was, beyond in, that. I was also, it was frustrating too, because yeah. their origin was so cool. Right. The, the vampires. Ancient Egyptian vampires is so fucking But cool. then at dope. the end of the season, we got some more, we got some insight into the connections between like, like, like more of the lore and it tied it back into the, the vampires. And I was very into that. Yeah. Um, 
Because we find out a bit more about the master. You learn a bit yeah. more about the master. And then this season, though, it it adds different layers to it as well because the, the witches are also presumably working for the master as well. But you learn, like, a few more different things about... You know the person that they serve, as opposed to this sort of well. The, the, there's like the, there's the, the, the bast- there's like sort of two there's like two main evil people. They're like brothers, right? Yeah. And, so and as one- I'm saying this, I just want to caveat. I've I'm the one of the three of us that's seen the whole series, and I'm realizing as I'm talking now that I'm trying to check myself so that I don't reveal <laughs> yeah, stuff. No Take it easy. Three spoilers. And so it. Please forgive me if I say things that then I try to like make sound vague halfway through the sentence because I might realize as I'm saying it that it's like, shit, did this happen in season three? I can't remember. Just Um, tread carefully, my boy. I'm going to tread carefully. So if I pause, maybe you guys can fill in because I think if I pause, it'd probably be like, I'm thinking, did this happen in the next season? And then I'll probably look to you guys. You and just ask. say that yeah. you're thinking about that. Yeah. Yes. So what? So what we find out pretty much at the, at the end of the season you is you trust uh, us. So like there are sort of like you're my brother. <laughs> wait. Okay. Be honest. So and I might be misremembering this. Right. So because they, they talk a bunch about like Lucifer and you know, oh, stuff yeah. like that, like you know the the who fell from oh, heaven, heaven, yeah. like a and bolt of lightning, the fallen angels. Right. And so it's like he is the one that the witches are like in communication with right? right because he offers them immortality and eternal beauty if they follow the ways of the dark yeah and yeah. he really wants vanessa ives yeah everybody and, wants vanessa ives. but then like it's like his he has a brother yes. who is the master yes. who took mina correct right okay so that was established. Yeah. So, so like, so there's, so there's, right. a, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, worry, so it is Dracula like Lucifer's brother, which is just a cool concept. I mean, like, I, I, I just think this stuff is all fun. Well, yeah. they definitely take the you know classic old literary monsters from all from that you know general time period of like a hundred years, but still like, um, and and link it to a kind of custom made version of. A mythology, right, where, right? Right. So, like, because like Josh is Lupus Day, yeah. the Hound of God, like this sort. But then, of, then they realize it actually translates to the wolf, the wolf, the wolf. Of God. They God. keep saying Hound, and they're like, "What actually?" Uh, this translation, but actually, it's it's wolf. Uh, actually, it's the wolf of God. Apparently, it's the <laughs> wolf of God. Um, if you read older scrolls, well, that's what you have to do when you're working off of a show that gets to take these, you know. Uh, royalty-free literary characters. And then presumably what would be the the ideal thing to do, which is what John Logan gets to do, is first, in the first season, establish them for what people recognize them as and all of their right. tropes. You know, you get Dorian Gray, you get the and vampires they, and all this shit. And they, they do the stuff that, that we kind of made fun of it for, where it's like, right. they'll, they'll talk yeah. about a character <laughs> and like, you know, you know, well, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is... Dorian Gray. Yeah. And we're like, oh, whoa, I've heard of him. He was in a book. He's got a portrait, and it's him. (laughs) And it's his. Well, the other thing, too, is that uh, one one of the pitfalls of having so many characters whose arcs you need to have land is that you, I think almost inevitably, unless you're extremely, extremely skilled in some way, someone feels less looked upon over the course of the season. Right. Dorian Gray... He gets to have like a cool ending to in this season, but like for the most part, it's like kind of he just has a sort of weird relationship with a, a trans tra- woman. a trans character named Angelique, yep. and uh, which I thought was like for a while I was like, 
he has no connection to anything else that's happening. I was like, but I kind of like. He just has this sort of sweet romance with, I mean, his, with with this trans woman. And but it's just reversed so intensely right at the end. It right, is reversed. Well, and, well, that's one of the things that I, I like. I liked the way that connected because that connects <laughs> to Frankenstein's story. Sure. And yeah. uh, and and I mean, yes, a, a bunch of it does kind of feel like well. Tony Gray doesn't really connect to anything else that's going on, so let's just give him a separate story. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoyed his story, even though it was so removed from everything else. Yeah, and I he stays pretty too. removed for the entire season as well, right? Yeah, for the yeah. most part. He's well, only embroiled, like, basically in the, like, second to last episode. Uh, he throws a ball. Oh, he in- does. Well, okay, what I'm realizing now, mm. for the benefit of our listeners, yeah. we should probably kind of begin at the beginning and maybe work our way through i here's what i i think we should do okay maybe pick characters like 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 explain like the the general arc of the season and then talk about the different characters and how they grow and like like what their deal is through the season also i need to run off and like i have finished this roll of paper towels and i need to blow my nose because i'm a a stuffed up pat you sit tight i'll get you a roll of paper towels thank you i know where they are great i don't uh, so Matt, yeah. how does the oh, season? God. <laughs> how does the season begin? Tell us. I I don't mean like opening scene, but just like like where where, where do things kind of kick off? Like what's the the premise of this season? I kind of forget. Give me a jolt. Uh, well, I uh, Madame Kali, who I uh, was introduced in the first couple episodes mm, in season the, one. Yes, uh, she hosted this seance. She was this kind of like mysterious, kind of like. Maybe sort of psychic or like seer woman. Yeah, a real yeah. throwaway character in the first uh, season. Turns out that John Logan is playing a long game here, and she becomes the primary antagonist for this season. And I was like, that is some sort of like, like long form like comic book run plotting. Well, yeah. he was John. Okay, larger in a larger scale. Was John Logan seeing this as the length it was? I I believe. So okay, well, uh, here's here's because he does my, play the long game. Now that I've seen that he does, I'm wondering about what punches he pulled for season three people, that will make things coalesce. But but a, a showrunner will usually play the long game. I feel like when they are more couched in the security of knowing that they have seasons to run with after the fact, and the first season is always the most tenuous season of a show. Sure. Right, first season is always a season where it's it's way more likely. Um, that it might not get renewed for a second season. And so you have to write it so that at least it wraps up to some degree by the series fin- or the uh, the season finale. And so for me, when I saw that this woman that runs the seance is now the main baddie of the show, the queen of the witches, yeah. <laughs> I just sort of thought like, you know, you, 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 you end the show and then he goes, oh great, I got another season. Showtime decided to pick it up. This right. is fantastic. Yeah. And he goes, okay, I want to do witches. We did Dracula's last season. <laughs> Let's get some witches in. And um, I, it, it felt to me as if it just sort of popped into his head that he could use the woman working I, at the seance. Well, the, I don't know if it was like well, a plan thing You put like a backdoor character into your first season in case you do get there's the also, There's just a whole idea of like casting as well. Yeah. Being like, oh, you know, this person that we got for like a throwaway character 
But could she also work as like a, a primary antagonist for an entire season where she's like a major character? Because who's the, the Egyptologist? What's his name? Ooh, Simon Russell Beale. Yes. Uh, or he's like Ferdinand, Ferdinand Lyle. Ferdinand Lyle. Ferdinand yeah. Lyle. Also, it, I did not realize until like a few days ago that, has anyone seen uh, The Death of Stalin? Not yeah. yet, no. Uh, wait, wait, who is he? He is, I can't, he's like the short, fat, like angry guy. <laughs> You remember him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's him. God, that's like, such a fucking good movie. Yeah, and, and his character is so good in it. Yeah. He's like the most intense, like kind of like uh conniving of of all of the of, <laughs> of like uh Stalin's like lackeys. Yeah. I mean he's yeah. so good in this season too, as like the this I mean I think it's a it's he's a pederast. Is that what it's hidden hinted at? Um, I don't think it's hidden that he's a pederast so much as he is uh, a, a homosexual who lives in 1890s Victorian London, and and back in that time it was illegal. Yeah, illegal. A, think a, a about really Oscar Wilde, you know, who created Dorian Gray, who went to prison for homosexual activities. Sure, I think yeah. he's just one of those guys that, you know, that was considered a taboo lifestyle. So, so he keeps it buried, and that's what's being held over his head by the witches. And you're like, well, okay, so they have, I guess, some photographic evidence. They're blackmailing him yeah, into yeah. helping them out. And you can assume that the photos were for something that, in 2018, you'd be like, show them the photos. I don't care. Well, well yeah, maybe not necessarily yeah. in case they were very, very graphic, but like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't you go down I mean. it. Yeah, okay, we understand. <laughs> um, but, but something that is now no longer a crime. Okay, so he's he's I guilty think that's of the just idea like sodomy, whatever that crime was, basically. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, so that's that's sort of, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that is what he is in league with the witches, Un- well, and unhappily so. He doesn't really I, want to be I in league with the witches. I don't think he is from the beginning. I think right. that they got, kind of get him, yeah. like maybe like halfway through. Well, he's like a he's almost like this weird uh, dabbler in the occult as a hobby. The way uh, I think a lot of people were that were right, wealthier back in that time period. I mean, look at him. He he's like, <laughs> look at his hair, man. His hair and his beard, which he defends as real. I mean, is- look. Also, I uh, if you guys have not seen the show, just go to Google and search Ferdinand Lyle because his hair and beard are incredible. He has they, a look, and it is cool. This is why They're I sublime. did not recognize him as the guy from uh, Death of Stalin. Because he looks so radically different. But yeah. he plays a, an extremely fully fleshed character now in this season. And like, yeah. he was maybe one of my more favorite people to watch. It's almost like Malcolm, Sir Malcolm, like, uh, I got a little tired of his him being haunted by his family. At, like, his even, family I know it's almost like just, season two. Like, right. his driving rage and, and guilt is supposed to be, you know, the fuel that propels him to do the things he does. But, but the, the amount of every times character they use... in the show is propelled by shame and guilt, usually over something that happened but in the past. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mina, or not Mina, um, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa, Ives. Vanessa Ives is essentially a conduit for Satan. Sure. And uh, she can speak the verbis diablo or whatever. Yeah. And, like, she is capable of immense evil. Josh right. is a werewolf <laughs> who yeah. has shredded and murdered countless human beings and then like a handful good handful of people uh, got a shredded dec- a decent number yeah and and it has no control over that aspect of his life and and so like as the two other major players i don't know it it just like it struck me as more natural that they would constantly be able to like find motivation and fears about what they're capable of 
Yeah. Victor Frankenstein is the other person that kind of makes me laugh during the season. He's like kind of a pathetic, funny character to me. Oh, uh, he, he he's about uh, as pathetic as you can he, get. Yeah. He's like yeah. a he's like a necrophiliac virgin who like it becomes a drug addict. <laughs> yeah, he is. A, he might be my favorite character this season. Yeah. I, it's but, just so so okay. So we should talk about Frankenstein because so where remember where we left off? Uh, his his creature who is who goes by the name of was it Lily? John, no, no, John. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, his man creature. Yeah, uh, yeah. John Clare. John John Clare, named after the poet. Uh, you know, is like, make me a bride. And so then, since she's already dying. I'm so horny. <laughs> I am so horny and goth. <laughs> since she's already on her way out, yeah. uh, he he just kind of like, you know, suffocates uh, Brona, Billy Piper's character. Right. And Casually then, suffocates. Josh's right. girlfriend at the time. Exactly. Yeah. And then resurrects her with his Frankenstein technology. And uh, also, she looks way better than the other two creatures did. She well, he's I perfected mean, his science right, at this yeah. point, I guess. Uh, other than the autopsy, like, uh, stitchings on her torso, yeah. she looks great. But then she comes back. and well, She's uh, got to be hot, dude. Exactly. Because well, that's part I, of her charm. And like, and props to <laughs> yeah. to Billy Piper for basically just playing a whole new character because yeah. she comes back and with like none of, none of her memories really, but I uh, you know and no her accent is gone. She's just like you know a, a new person learning about the world, and she's supposed to be the bride of of John Clare. She should get props too, she, though. Yeah, I guess you're saying for that because like aside from Ava Green, she probably has the biggest. I don't know. Well, emotional she's, she's, role. Yeah, she, well, she has a huge arc in this season. Yeah, and, and gets maybe one of the best monologues of the se- I, season. I was gonna yes. say maybe my favorite scene. Yeah, of, of, of the, the season, season right at the end. But we can get to that later because that's the scene we're talking about where she gets this huge monologue at the end of the series is supposed to subvert her character for everybody because you see this woman get resurrected to be a potential bride for John Clare, and everybody just goes, "Great, the bride of Frankenstein's in the show now. We got another monster." Yeah, and um, she by the end of the season She's totally like a charmed simpleton who like yeah. just loves. And at first, you know, Frankenstein is like, "Whoa, uh, hey creature, uh, maybe I should like teach her about the world a little bit. Like, don't worry, I'll like." But he had know. already felt her up a little bit when she was just a dead body, right? Yeah. So he's already like doing that, which is great. This is what Penny Dreadful is all about. It's just like Penny Dreadful is all about making all these characters which do horrific nasty, disgusting, despicable things simultaneously all sympathetic just because there's literally nobody you can latch onto that hasn't either murdered someone or done something absolutely like despicable to a friend or a loved one. Yeah. The only Everybody... person is like Sir Malcolm's wife, maybe. Who dies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who, who? They just call her fat in the first season and then they, you finally get to see her this season and she's like... I will never divorce you, Malcolm. You have to live. I at least need to draw money from you. Yeah. And then she just she just has a horrible end. Well, the witches voodoo doll her brain until she starts <laughs> seeing dead brain. people. And then she just effing cuts her throat. Yeah. It's crazy. So Sir Malcolm's wife ends up killing herself. And there's, uh, the, there's a good cold open where the yeah. maid is bringing her breakfast the following morning and sees this like pool of blood that has seeped out under the door into the yeah. hall and then oh, goes yeah. in and then you hear her scream and cut to opening titles. But wait, <laughs> I, I, I want to go back to talk about Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, because sure. 
So initially, when uh, they named her Lily, who is uh, Billy Piper, now reborn as like a new person. With her original real-life accent. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no no weird Northern Ireland right. accent. <laughs> and, and yeah, and so at first he's like, yo, I mean, I should like uh, introduce her to society and stuff like that. And so and so, so he's, there's a funny little scene where he's like, hey, Vanessa, uh, can you help me go dress shopping for my cousin yeah and uh and he's just like awkward and flustered but also knows all her measurements like super exactly i love this scene because it still plays off of what were much they were the actual norms of 1890s london which is that vanessa ives catches on pretty quickly that he has maybe a thing for his cousin but it's okay to have a thing for your cousin yeah around that time Allen poe style yeah yeah speaking of edgar Allan poe and so she's like smiling a little bit, and it's like, oh, you're shopping for your cousin, eh? Mm, maybe she needs a few uh, salacious undergarments, perhaps, and like waggles like a brazier in front yeah. of him. And and he's this like, is when oh. Vanessa Ives is having a little yeah. fun finally for the, right. like, the first time. She, I know. she smiles. Yeah, and uh, and, and then they and then, go, and then she, he's they go like, for tea. Well, he's they like do go for tea. Oh no, that, that one dress they look at because they, they go to like the dressmakers, which is like you know right. You know the Phantom Thread style. Like there were these dressing houses. Yeah, and uh, but like he's like maybe a little less on the. Uh, and then she's like, "Decolletage." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you think it's because he. You know, it's funny because it's a double thing. Because he, she's like, "Oh, you, her, her, her tits are gonna be out." <laughs> <laughs> but then all. But he actually wants to cover up the like the weird scarring, scarring that's uh, right. Part exactly. Of her because Frank and scars. People saw that. It would lead to problems. Frank and scars. And uh, and then yeah. And then uh, he and Lily and Vanessa go out for tea. And mm-hmm. Vanessa notices that he seems to uh, really like his cousin. And the way it's kind of going is we're just thinking, oh, is this just gonna turn into like. Frankenstein having a relationship with his female creature. And right. then at night, there's a storm and she gets scared. And she, again, she seems so innocent and naive up up till then. And she like goes and like rushes to him to like to his bed, yeah. you know, for, for comfort during the storm. And they end up boning. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is it is uh, awkward. It's awkward. She's a dead person. I, this is what I, I, I love. Finally, so we, we, we get some... It, now we get to debate: Is that necrophilia? Because she was dead, and uh... well, that, I mean, that's a debate raging in Frankenstein's head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for isn't sure. That part of that that whole episode is about everyone fucking. Oh my god! Okay, what an episode that is. That yeah, the everyone in, episode I, yeah. five. Everyone Gets fucks it in. Yeah, except except for Josh. Josh. And Ava Green. Yeah. He tries. They, they tease it, though. They tease that that's oh, going to potentially they, don't happen. Don't they even sleep in the same room? Yes. And they pass each other on a stairway. Oh, and it's very pregnant, pregnant with, looks. you know, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And look, as someone who has watched many a Jane Austen adaptation. Oh, yeah. Whew, th- th- there's a, a lot in those stairway I mean, passes. There's nothing hotter than chests heaving under whalebone and, corsets and, and bravo john logan for for planning that scene because you're you're essentially intercutting i think three separate sex scenes and then scenes with josh hartnett and vanessa ives and you're clearly just toying with the entire audience about a will they won't they for it's, the two you, you main characters of the series basically yeah. it should have just played the last bit of uh, layla <laughs> Oh, and speaking of uh, speaking of those sex scenes, though, it's it's um it's Frankenstein and his undead creation. Well, he's kind of separate almost. He's like he the is tag separate. at the end. Like he also finally has sex, but he's it's uh it's um 
it's and here's the most important one for this season as far as development goes. It's Sir Malcolm Murray, Mr. Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And he has a romance with the Queen of the Witches, Miss Evelyn Poole herself, mm-hmm. which is uh, this big thing that she sort of slowly seduces Malcolm Murray. And she has the, had okay, she has some some great jewelry in the season. Like she has this one ring where these two little blades flip out yeah. on it and she can slit people's throats with it. It's cool, but she also has a ring where a little needle flips out and yeah. she can like drug people. And yeah. anyway, she basically like brainwashes him and so she uses he, that thing a lot. She does. Actually, favorite just silent scene of the entire season. She's killing cows. When she's just straight up walking casually through a pastoral scene with a bunch of cows grazing and just casually poking every other one <laughs> in the neck and just it seems like instantly killing them. The yeah, cows collapse. That within a is second. great. And uh, she's just humming like a little tune to herself. Yeah. I was also wondering how they did that. I yeah. was like, are these all CG cows? They're I CG, think so. They're yeah. CG cows, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's really fun. But yeah, so she just sort of seduces Malcolm and brainwashes him. And there's even the point where his wife dies and he gets the news and he's like, oh, that's too bad. And then just starts humming to himself. Yeah. It's so like, weird. The, that was what question crazy. I had, right? Like the possession thing. Has he, he been bewitched? He's yeah. bewitched, so he's a been given bit. what? Like instructions about the couple things that he needs to keep in order? I think and he's otherwise just, he's still himself enough, but like he, he doesn't give a shit now about anything he used to care about because his his brain has been now just completely bewitched and focused on the task of, I guess, keeping Vanessa in the house. Not focused so much on keeping Vanessa in the house. I think he's just charmed to a point where you know, Vanessa Ives and Ethan Chandler and Victor Frankenstein all rely on Malcolm Murray as as a team member in their continuing right. endeavors to solve this witchy crisis that He's their with. Professor X. And he just suddenly sure, doesn't yeah. care and isn't motivated anymore. Right. What's surprising to me is how quickly everybody who has dealt with supernatural shit for an entire season and a half already Sorry. quickly just go, oh, you know, he's. I think he's just in love now. Yeah. He shaved oh, we'll his leave beard. it alone. His wife just slit her throat. We just told him about it, and he sort of like smiles a little bit and goes, "Oh, that's too bad. That's pretty crazy." Wait, yeah. really? Because I, like I thought the scene after that, like yeah. all of a sudden they're just they're going, "That's not him." They go, "That's not him." But then there's scenes later when Vanessa Ives is talking about Malcolm Murray, and she's like, "Well, love can do crazy oh, yeah. things to a man's heart," and you're like, "Oh." You of all people should know, Mrs. I Got Possessed by Satan himself right. and has miss. the master just straight up begging for you. So wait, I... <laughs> begging? It's begging, begging for an Ives. So wait, w- l- let's... Okay, let's backtrack. It's not until like episode six that she... Vanessa, at least, I think, figures it out. Catch one. Yeah, but wait. Truly. We're going to work our way through through these the different storylines. Yeah. Let's get back to Frankenstein. Frankie... So, so Frank fucks the creature. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then <laughs> and, and then he's like feeling pretty okay about it. Yeah. Feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But then bust that first nut. But okay. And then wait. Is it then that they go to the ball? I yeah. yeah. He takes to her the to the ball. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, dances with Dorian Gray and uh, thinks this guy is pretty cool because he is real charming. Uh huh. And he's she sexy. she kind of has these vague inclinations that she's seen Dorian Gray before because. For season recap, uh, when she was Brona and she was the prostitute suffering from consumption, Dorian Gray brought her to his uh, his uh, portrait room 
and uh, took photos of her while she was coughing up blood on him, and somehow turned it into a sexy thing. Yeah, and they and they they had it was the sex. one of my favorite scenes of yeah. the first season. So they're dancing now at this ball, this classy ball, and she's reincarnated as Lily. And I, we'll get back to this ball because oh yeah, shit goes down at this. Can ball. I just oh, say yeah. I, I told I talked to you about this before, Pat, but yeah. My 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 punch up, which might actually alter his character to a degree that would make him not like it is now, uh, would be that you know because for all intents and purposes, Victor Frankenstein murdered a woman, right? Right? Expedited a natural process. He yep. would probably say, right? But once again, a weird gray zone that's super uncomfortable mm-hmm. that he probably thinks is way nicer than it actually is. He suffocates her. Yeah. He resurrects her. Before he does, he feels her up. Uh, then he's immediately, you know, and then so he's, we already know he's horny for her. Yep. He's a virgin. He, uh, he's an uh, incel. And uh, he's bummed out. Then he gets to have sex with the woman that he killed, killed and then resurrected, and but promised for another dead body that he resurrected, <laughs> John Clare. Uh, <laughs> I think the dimension that I would have liked because I would have been that part of the sexual attraction is an attraction to his own brilliance. Right. And that, that would have and, been... And, like, that is, that is woven in more as an explanation for why he would be so immediately necrophiliac, because he doesn't really see that as that. He sees it as, like, a representation of his own brain. He's getting a boner based on He how wants to skull fuck himself. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so oh, I and, did this. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, that's what's hot about... This woman who also happens to be very attractive. Fun fact: When Einstein wrote the E equals MC square equation on the paper, he got a he got a boner. Yeah, when he looked at it, and that's he was real. Like, he was like, first off, this is going to revolutionize our understanding of modern physics, and also, I want to fuck this piece of paper. <laughs> and then he literally did, and then he, and, and then it, then it was just unusable, so he had to like redo the whole equation. Yeah, yeah. E equals my cum times two. <laughs> oh god, damn. <laughs> And that's the theory of relativity, everybody. (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) so Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yeah. Okay, so. Can I go to the bathroom? Yes, Matt, you can go to the bathroom. You have permission. Get out of here. So. Fuck out of here. And remember, Jake, no season three spoilers. I know. Uh, anyway, so so it's really it's this encounter with Dorian Gray right. where uh, where Lily is thinking like that realizing she may have memories she wasn't aware of exactly, and this begins to to the the change in her because she then doesn't go home. No, she Wh- instead spends more time with Dorian Gray. No, 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 she doesn't. She goes off and uh, peruses through like a bar, I guess. Right? She, yeah, she, but, she, and it's like her, and I like this because it's like her. Her instincts from her past life, life are coming back, yeah. where like she goes to a bar and like picks up a man mm-hmm. and then has mm-hmm. sex with him, but then in bed she chokes him to death. Yeah, and this is wild because she has gone from like this like meek innocent, yeah, like sort of like they say she's like from the country, doesn't know much about the city, just right. like who has to be like protected and guided through everything, and now all of a sudden she's like. Hooking up with dudes and murdering them. Yep, and has had such a furious flood of previous memories from her past life and all of the shame and humiliation and anger that she felt towards these guys and decides instead to release and channel that new anger that she has found matched with what 
it's funny because it's not mentioned too much in the show, but Victor Frankenstein doesn't pat himself on the back enough for when he regenerates and, and, and resurrects these dead bodies. He also gives them super strength. Yeah. And so she just straight up chokes this guy to death within about 10 seconds, just 10 times stronger than ah, she used okay. to be. And, um, and then just sort of just goes home goes the next home, morning. Goes home the next morning. And then we get this part where this is like the second to last episode, I think. Yeah. Where she is down in Frankenstein's basement. And then finally, John Clare, who has been getting real pissed at, at, at Victor, mm-hmm. like, where is my bride? Yeah. I wanted a bride. What is the holdup? She's here. I want her. <laughs> uh, even though there seems to be no blood flowing through my veins because I'm really cold all the time, so I don't even know if I can get an erection. Right. I want my bride. You don't know how his corpse erection works. <laughs> we don't. Electricity. Rigor mortis could just be always there. Hey. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, and so he he finally like goes and confronts her, and it yeah. seems like. You know, it's it, it's it's a little unsettling, a yep. little creepy because it's uh, you know there's kind of like rapey vibes because he she seems like really meek and scared and he is but like mind you we've already seen her not be meek so right. we know it is a ruse but but the sort. way that the right. scene is shot he seems to have all the power in it and uh, and then the tables turn oh yeah and uh, Miss formerly known as Brona Croft. Now Lily Frankenstein um, basically starts re- <laughs> Frankenstein um, d- delivers this insane monologue, which is probably the best monologue of the season by Billy Piper. And I forget what exactly she, she says. Like, she essentially turns the tables though and says, she, "Wait, doesn't she like like knock him down?" She knocks him down and she's like, "You, sir, you and Victor both have been squabbling over me as if I was some sort of prize to be won." And you here show up and try and That's threaten what both of us. Says in Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets her tiger, and they hop in a magic carpet and right away. Yeah, no, but, Raja, <laughs> fluffy Raja. Right, but basically, she just like she disses him so, so hard. hard, and uh, like he had like, and he's felt like he is like this sense of entitlement this whole time, and like he is better because he's he's stronger and he's smart and stuff like that. And, and men are so weak and petty and right. cruel, and he will rise above them with his immortal bride, and she's like, join me. And she just totally tears him down and is like, you suck, yeah. you're ugly, <laughs> and I hate you, and I am never gonna touch you. Yeah. And uh, I'm way better than that, and he feels real bad. But, but even then that, he, like... But then she... Gives him a big kiss. She does. And is like, my beautiful monster. She has a complete 180 where she's like, you will kneel before me. Yeah. Like, and all mankind will kneel before me. Like, she basically has a tirade against men for the, for the most part where she's like, you scheme and you plan and like, we sit here and we like make fucking food for you and like, you like heave on top of us and then you, you hit us if we don't do like enough of this shit. So I'm going to kill every, I'm going to make the like... Well, streets run red with your blood, and then, and then she like is like, we are the new race. Yeah, and it's fun to see the Frankenstein creature get put in his place like that because, as much as he is a terrifying and despicable character through a lot of the first season and a lot of the second season, in that most of his scenes just serve to show up at Victor Frankenstein's house and be like, "Where the fuck is my bride? Yeah. I've been asking for her forever, and it's the least thing you could do for me." And then, as and then as soon as you give her to me, I'm still not sure whether or not I'm going to kill you or not. Still, because yeah, of how much yeah. I hate you and giving me this terrible life, and the least thing you can do for me is give me somebody to keep me company. 
And so he's just been sitting there with this expectant, you know, arrogance about him in receiving this bride. And as someone who feels so singular and alone to not then give uh, another character who is in the exact same situation he's in, who has been resurrected unwillingly by a creepy man who also has senses, uh, issues with entitlement, um, their own agency yeah, and singularity, to have her then just like throw him on the ground and be like, as much as you think with all the poetry <laughs> and stoic like intellect that you stand apart from men with, you're still just as much a piece of shit as every <laughs> other character that I've met in the show. And to see him just go, oh, oh, and like crawl backwards and she like slaps him around and like yeah. sits on and like sits like on his chest and like pins him to the ground and is like, and you're a disgusting, ugly monster. <laughs> it's, it's kind of one of the most satisfying scenes I've ever seen. It is great. extremely and satisfying. And then you get the, the big, her big final yeah. scene in the final episode. Oh, yeah. Where she just goes on over to Dorian Gray's yeah. and just hanging out with him, who she sensed was essentially, it turns out, an immortal the whole time, right? Yeah. And um, and so Dorian. she goes over and and is just like dancing around his big old portrait room with him. Oh yeah. And then Victor shows up and he's real upset because he's realized that she found a cooler guy <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he doesn't know the half of it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. Lame little Victor uh, who also has been like getting addicted to, is it cocaine? No, it's morphine. Uh, morphine. Okay. But he's been injecting himself constantly. He's been basically like having a very like a uh, 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 requiem for a dream style uh Experience where all his veins have collapsed in his good arm. It, it, I mean, and he's it, gotten like an infected hole on the like, crock yeah. of his arm. It's it's just like Jared Leto, it's like gross. like at the end of Requiem for a Dream. It's yeah. like all purple and disgusting. And it, and it, like at the end of the season, he's injecting himself like between his, web fingers. his fingers. Yeah, it's uh, reminding me a lot <laughs> of gross. of uh, Clive Owen and the Nick. Oh yeah, Man, uh, what a good that what a. That's a better show. But. I, I, that, that, <laughs> I haven't seen it because that is a show that ha- where he gets he injects himself in his dick because that's the only place he can. Uh-huh. That like anyway, <laughs> he nicks his dick. Um, good yeah, one, Jake. Yeah, but no, yeah, but so, nice. so Victor is just one. like falling apart, yeah, yeah. and then and so he goes and he finds Lily, who he thought was his. Now just dancing with this sexy immortal dude who has a lot of portraits. <laughs> And uh, and he's got a gun, and he's all upset. And Angelique has been poisoned because she found the portrait. Yes, uh, Angelique, the the nice trans woman who seemed like she had a nice relationship with a man who finally understood her and did not discriminate and was really progressive. Yeah, for Victorian London at the time. And uh, she stumbles on his portrait. But it turns out it's because he is actually a monster. If we remember from the first season, and he we said, see the portrait. I'm pretending to be human, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. And now he really just goes full on supervillain in him and Lily in all white garb dancing. Yeah, and then Victor show. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole season. And yeah. Victor shows up and he's just real upset. He's just like his face scrunched up, mm-hmm. and then he shoots her, and she like barely flinches. And he shoots Story Gray, and he barely flinches. And they're both in white. And they have just, like, these bullet holes just seeping blood. Oh, yeah. And then Victor just, he leaves because he can't <laughs> he do anything. He runs away. And He's then, like, should we kill him? And they're like, no, he may prove useful. And then they just laugh and start dancing but again. Then and Victor's like, cr- oh, shit. This is, like, my favorite visual. So they crank up the music. Yeah. And then they start dancing. And at this point, the blood has seeped to the bottom of, of uh, well, uh, the train especially dress. of Billy Piper's 
dress. And it's like all around the rim of, of her dress. And as she dances, she just sweeps blood across the floor. Yeah. And, uh, it's like if you dipped a mop in a bucket of red paint and then started just lightly, right? And, yeah, and, and the camera like, it, like it, it tilts up, following like this the trail of blood along yeah. the floor as these two immortals just like with like what would be fatal bullet wounds for any normal <laughs> human just just bleed without a care in the world in this big extravagant portrait room. It's great. Can I oh, say yeah. another another visual that sticks into my head because this show looks really good. It's good a great show. The it's production a, values might arguably be one of the best, if not the best thing about the show. I mean, if... if, if and they're, yeah. they're a bit higher this season because you see yeah. a bit more of just Victorian London. Yeah. And there's also, there's a shot. So the, sh- the show ships. is... The show was shot in Dublin. Right. And, uh, but there's a shot of Josh in the final episode uh, where he's going into Scotland Yard, I believe. But it looks like he's on the bank of the Thames. Yeah. yeah, and I was and there's like ships there, and I was like trying to figure this out because I, I was in London earlier this year. Uh, no, that's Dublin. Oh, I, I wanted to like if they shot it at yeah, the Liffey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't quite figure it out because I was like, wow, what bridge is that in London? Did they go to London for this one shot? Is there like a lot of just like CGI work, just like paint, like uh, just doing matte paintings and stuff like that? I couldn't quite figure it out, but there is, mm. but uh, usually we see like single streets or blocks, like. Because you're limited to how much you can show of the city or like produce of the city, but there is that one shot. You guys know what I'm talking about. When we it, it like it uh, pans over uh-huh. from uh, from like a, across a bridge and and the river and there's ships there and to a close up of Josh before he walks into the police station to turn himself in. Oh, I don't yeah, remember yeah, that yeah, shot. Yeah. No. Oh, but well, I just. This is the stuff that I think about because I'm a weirdo. But, My standout uh, visual. Yes, Matt's standout visual. Go. Was uh, when Josh and Vanessa are hiding out in the Moorlands, and he come. He has to turn into a vamp or a, a werewolf for the first time in her, not her presence, but like you know, he just has to go do it. So he's like, just lock the door. Here's a gun. I gotta go. And then he goes and bees a werewolf, <laughs> and I- he. Eats a sheep or something? <gasps> he does eat a sheep. Are you, wait, are you are you talking slow mo blood? Oh my god! And he, he rips. He back? just rips the throat out of the sheep, and he's a werewolf, and he th- throws his head back to like go like, and the moon catches the blood as it slow mo flips out of his mouth, and it is a wonderful gothic horror shot. I loved it so much. It's I, great. I love that whole extended sequence when Josh and uh, when Ethan Chandler and Vanessa Ives run out to the cut wife's cottage to like lay low for a little bit because they are meant to then have sort of a small chunk of time where they can bond and develop this sort of, ooh, or is Vanessa and Ethan, are they going to kiss or is, it gonna, is a romance yeah. going to blossom here? He goes out to werewolf like someone who doesn't know like a person they're dating that well yet goes out to fart in a different room. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I just, I, I gotta, I gotta fucking go for a second. She's like, why? Just it's weird. The There's a bathroom right here. And he's like, it's going to be loud. You don't know. <laughs> lock the door. Here's a gun. Yeah, here's a gun. Don't open the door if anybody knocks until tomorrow when the sun's out. Yeah. And she's like, what's the problem here? And he's like, shut up. I, I, oh, I'm just going to go take a walk. Yeah. Classic having diarrhea with someone you just met. Yeah. And you got to use their bathroom. It's oh, like, also we didn't mention. I don't think yet, but like the cut uh, wife. I was about to say, uh, what our listeners do not know what this cut wife is. And oh, cut wife. Because cool. once again, we have a Vanessa Ives flashback episode. Mm-hmm. And it's a real fun time. Because we find out, I mean, she has been in it, the know, obviously. It's kind of like the gothic the horror witches. kung fu master. 
Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because she's like, she, during the first like introductory bit, like, she seems to know who these witches are. She speaks the Verbus Diablo. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it that? Or is it Verbus Satanus? I think, I think Diablo. Um, so, like, it's clear that she has a connection. She knows who these people are. She's scared for the first time, you know, which is always a big deal. So it turns they're out, like appearing in her bedroom, yeah, she's haunting a, her dreams and prayers, and and she's and we've seen her do this thing where she like stabs her thumb, and then with the, her bleeding her, with her blood bleeding out of her thumb, mm-hmm. uh, draws a scorpion, yeah, and uh, we're like, what's up with the scorpion? And uh, <laughs> yeah. also, she does this multiple times, and what I just and I've, I've mentioned this to Matt already, but uh, what I just would think of every time because she's all, I'm like, wow, she's Bleeding a lot out of her thumb. That's like a, a lot of blood that she's like writing with her thumb. And she does a good scorpion. It's really good. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, but it's really well done. Uh, in one of the best Simpsons episodes ever, uh, yeah. Cape Fear, when Sideshow Bob keeps writing these letters written in blood, sending them to Bart. And then you finally have the reveal of him in his prison cell, like poking his finger and then like writing letters and then writing a to-do list, but in, <laughs> in blood. And finally he just passes out. And then Snake, his cellmate, goes, use a pen, Sideshow Bob. <laughs> and... and I, I just when Vanessa is once again like stabbing herself in the thumb, just like Vanessa, like use a pen, use a yeah. goddamn, you know, or paint, feather tipped pen, or yeah. so, are, are like an animal's blood. Like you're you're bleeding a lot for these spells. I know, right? They are. They did call them blood glyphs, which is cool. Oh, blood glyphs, glyphs, mm. glyphs, <laughs> sweet red glyphs, blants. <laughs> um. Yeah, the cut wipe is great. Patty Go- Google Blance. You'll understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Broadway legend Patty Lupone. Wait, played... wait, wait. Broadway legend? What is Patty Lupone in? I actually don't know. Well, oh, okay. I am not a person who knows much about Broadway. She's one of those people that who I'm like aware of. It's like, oh, yeah. she's in a lot of Broadway musicals, but I don't know anything about Broadway musicals. And so she's just a person that I've heard my theater friends reference a lot. And, uh, and then I Googled her and I was like, oh, yeah, she's in all this stuff. Yeah, which includes... Jake, you have got the computer. <coughs> oh, Jake's got I sneezed this time. That wasn't Pat. That it's wasn't Pat. It was spreading. Me. What a gross episode this is. She is in um, all sorts of productions. She was Miss Lovett in Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. She was uh, Lucia in the 2010 Broadway production of Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. But does it say like at the top of her Wikipedia entry, just like what she's known for? Uh, Les Mis. She played Fantine. Uh, Cradle Will Rock. Nice. I haven't seen some of these. Um, yeah, no, we get she's it. basically she, yeah. in plays her entire career from early on to present day. But she's, she's best known for theater, specifically musicals. But you know uh, how she's best known to me? No, tell us. The motherfucking cut wife. Because she's so <laughs> yeah, good. Because that's all I saw. What <laughs> one F, but she makes an impression. She looks like Helen Mirren's sister. She does look like Helen Mirren's sister. And she does like uh is it like I'm trying to think? Is it like a, the Pi May thing? Uh, you know, well, you know, uh, Vanessa Ives shows up and is like, "I want to learn oh, from you," and she's like, "Kill Bill type." Nope. And then Vanessa Ives just stands out in the rain forever. And then finally, she's like, "Okay, you can come in." Or like the like, the Guild of Fat Masks, or what's the fuck is that Game of Thrones thing where? Oh, 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 yeah. The uh, the the many faces of. The, the many-faced god they worship the many-faced god yeah. uh there's like uh oh my god <laughs> there's so many people in game of thrones so many names but yeah it's it's, it's like kind of like an Arya stark kind of thing like yeah. hey you got to prove that like 
You, you gotta, like, you, what if their god was Lon Chaney? <laughs> this big mug. It just man peeks out of the clouds. Faces. <laughs> there's, a, there's a big like painted portrait of him. Yeah. Lon. That would be really good. Lawn care. But yeah, also... <laughs> We we gotta just talk Hell about yeah. the design. Okay, so the cut wife's house is out, it's out of the moors. It's yeah. this it's this big it's she a, a witch. It's it's this stone house where you look at it and you're like a witch lives there. But outside Only a the witch could live there. outside the house there is this like dead tree with that's like all curved yeah. and uh when Vanessa arrives there she stands next to the tree and and there's so many great just wide shots of like. This tree and like yeah. the fog on the moors and Vanessa standing there waiting. It and frames things really well. It's like uh, th- this is some of the best looking stuff in the season. I oh think. yeah, but she's a witch and she's an abortionist and that's what gives her her bad name in the surrounding area. But right. most importantly, and, and she thinks that Vanessa's there to have a baby removed at first. Yes, but Vanessa's a like, baby removed. No, 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 no. no. I I want much more than that. Uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, the bride of Satan. Yeah, uh, but it turns out that. The cut wife is actually, indeed, the sister of the main evil witch mother in the coven. Yeah. yeah. Miss Evelyn Poole. And Miss Evelyn Poole. has been poking cows in the fields. Miss Evelyn Poole, who, this is another thing, actually, that didn't seem to, like, line up to me. She is actually, you know, uh, like, having some sort of BDSM relationship with the <laughs> local aristocrat. And uh, she kind of whispers poison into his ear until he... Sends a angry mob out to murder the Patty wife. Lapone, yeah. the cut wife, and uh, burn her alive as a witch, as you do. Also, when it got to that scene, when they're all shouting, burn the witch, while sitting in my living room alone watching this, I could not help but shout, Burna! Of course. Burna! She has got a hat. <laughs> She's got a wart. She has got a wart. <laughs> Is it cool yet to quote... The Holy Grail Monty now, because it used to be anathema. And can we yeah, do it be, now? because in like middle and high school, we would just do it, it all the time. And then... incessant. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty bad. And uh, I think enough time has this passed. This isn't my nose; it's a false one. <laughs> uh, she turned me into a newt. We did do That's the such nose. A good line. I got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we'll stop. It's, uh, yeah. But like, there's a reason every line of that scene is, and movie <laughs> is so quotable. It's great. And no, I I had to for the the video I did about like Robin Hood and King Arthur recently. I had to I rewatch sections of it. Right. And I was like, man, this holds up. This is still really funny. <sighs> All their damn. shit holds up, man. It's so good. Yeah, but like literally, like we can just most of humanity can't see a scene where people are burning <laughs> a witch without thinking of that. I know, I know. They don't even burn the witch in that scene. I but know. we still think of it. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, that I also had the same incessant voice while watching what was supposed to be an incredibly emotional and dramatic moment. But do you guys have an answer to this? Like, so she was basically like dating and fucking and living with that the guy, the aristocrat who wanted to... Who she used the excuse oh, of Evelyn like Pool, the the evil baddie of yeah. the season. Yeah, she was living with this aristocrat. She was like whipping day. him, and you know, and then like, yeah. did she like when did she fuck off to do something else? And and why when he because we that also, aristocrat we, we still also don't alive. know how long ago this was. Exactly, the timeline seems like it's probably not super far in the past. Probably maybe five years. Five years, years ago, yeah, something like that. Like, like. Also, her house is still there. 
like intact, yeah, completely they, intact, unlooted. Un when they go to it later, when when the when the point of burning her, the witch, was ostensibly to clear out that land so that they could have an unbroken contiguous pasture. But here we're talking about the parts of the show that aren't that strong, which is thinking too clearly about the timeline. I'm just I don't saying, know if that's like, ever been a it, good it deserves some criticism. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like no, it's true because also like that guy, that aristocrat, is still alive. They end up a bit. Another crux is that Vanessa Ives ends up finally breaking her covenant with God to speak the Verbus Diablo in order to enchant that guy's hunting hounds to eat him alive. Which is a good scene because Josh is gonna go kill that guy. Yeah. Uh, because they run into him and he and he's you know threatens them and Josh goes to kill him and is like in the dark with his guns and then he just watches the dogs turn and tear him apart. Yeah. But that guy's weird because you know f it's been five years. That it looks it looks like a week has passed. Yeah, this woman yeah. returns, uh, who he like had branded with a cross and killed her. Uh, you know, and then he's like, "We're talking to Vanessa Ives, and right. the cutwife, who in the past the cutwife was hung, and then this burned. gentleman burned, burned a uh, yeah, burned, and then this gentleman burned also a brand uh, the cross the and the Vanessa Ives back, and now she's back with Josh Hartnett, and she runs into this same guy again. But what happened with him like and Evelyn? No time passed too. You know, that was my biggest question. It was more like, it's like, have yeah, you, did Evelyn? So just did she talk leave? about me? Like you, yeah. you didn't like also be like, yeah, hey, what's up, bitch? Like I'll, an ex maybe that I'll he would have killed looked up you. on Facebook or but something. But also, like, did she did she mention my name or not? She just <laughs> like, kind of ghosted me, and when, I don't really know. When did Evelyn go to London? Yeah, and yeah, decide to live they in a big castle. They yeah. don't make it clear. Also, yeah, also, the witches have a sweet house. They do. And they, like, the, so cool. the interior decoration Baller is, is really cool. There's uh, a whole lot of carvings. Room. There's a bow in room. Also, the witches are, are making, like, ventriloquist... They're like voodoo dolls, but they're ventriloquist dummies of all the other characters. And uh, they're really good. Like, the likenesses are really impressive. It's great. Yeah. I mean, when she makes the, uh, like, animal heart as a replica of also the, Sir the, Malcolm's heart start beating again and, and stuff. And they, they kill a baby. They kill a yeah, baby in thank order God. to get a heart for the you Vanessa have to Ives. Kill a baby. We have a, a like uh, kind of like the Vovovich. Uh, <laughs> Nowhere near as gross, but yeah, right. But uh, but we, we do have have a a baby theft and murder. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a cool spot too. I like that. That was yeah, cool. like on, on is it like the train mm -hmm. where they yeah kill like the midnight parents? murder train like style like they. Yeah, like lot flashing black yeah. and and white. It's good. Yeah. The, the witches are pretty cool. Also, and, and a thing we should say about the witches is, so Evelyn is like the main witch, but then she has her daughters. Hecate. 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 I wanted to make it more ancient sounding no, or something. It, I added Hecate. all kinds of wrong. But, uh, but, but it's the daughters who... who <laughs> Hecate. <laughs> it's the daughters who, who, who would uh, will appear and like go and attack yeah. people but that they like normally they have like curly hair and they're like i don't know the hocus pocus witches or whatever but yeah. then <laughs> but then when they go places and they'll like go through <laughs> mirrors and like walls and stuff like that they just become like they're naked they're bald they have these <laughs> like carvings like a pentagram like on their chest oh, and yeah. stuff like that they're they dope. have like fangs and their eyes are weird it's strange because, look, you're a witch and you make a pact with Satan. Obviously, you decide to serve him. Look, say you're so a witch. Say you're a witch and you, and you to go to Satan and you make a pact and you say, okay, I will do forever your bidding. And what I want in return is eternal youth, eternal beauty, and all kinds of magic spells. And he gives you all of those. Why are you, you in your like true that? form, a bald, cut up... <laughs> 
<laughs> scarred up monsty. Yeah, one of them has these three slashes across her yeah. chest. Yeah, like also, what happened there? Did she have to like have a hatchet hit her head three times? There's this yeah. one girl who looked like she was mauled by a bear, by, or, or by <laughs> a Josh, like, or by some sort of Josh-like werewolf. Yeah, what's the big idea? All I was thinking was just I, it seems like if if Satan is gonna is is gonna be the uh, tempting evil supernatural power that he is that he would just yeah. make you beautiful and also the king of lies super powerful like that why do you need to transform into he is the it, king of lies yeah. so he did lie yeah <laughs> they all thought they were gonna be hot and they ended up having to be bald pale weird creatures with scars all over also their if they were appearing like ominously and they were always yeah. in dresses with long curly hair Prince it would lies. it would be less scary but you know what would be scary though is a woman in a giant like you know victorian 1890s corset and huge gown who just suddenly turns around and just grips somebody by the throat and holds them up. That would still freak me out how anachronistic their look would be versus how violent they yeah, could be. Yeah, think about the, It would like, kind of creep me out. Think about um, uh, whatever that Roald Dahl, The Witches, right? Yeah. My personal favorite Roald Dahl book. Guys, what's your favorite Roald Dahl book? Ooh, uh, they Georgie's have... Marvelous Medicine. Go on. The Twins. Whoa. The Twins. Yeah. Whoa. You, oh, you guys are, are picking the, like, the kind of like light novellas. BFG is pretty good, though. The Bufka? Yes. And, it's uh, all good. But if they had purple eyes, that would be scary enough to me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, also, I, I like the way that they kind of weaponize the surprise of full frontal nudity. Because, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because they, they appear and you're like, whoa, it's like a totally naked person, but then they're also trying to kill them. And they're covered in pentagram scars. They're exactly. Really, they're really scary. Right. I'm not it's the, lie. it's, ma- it's, it's some, some cool. of the least sexy nudity I've seen in a while. 100%. Um, I'm getting tired. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry that we have to discuss ten hours of television on one episode. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we put in all this work. Matt will take a this nap. a great episode. Yeah. Make it a great episode. So wait. You're right. Wait, I'm wait, wait. So, so, and it's gonna be good. So back to the so so the cut wife basically teaches Vanessa how to be a witch, but it's also yeah. like, hey, I just learned this stuff. You were born with some of this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I was born and, um, this way. I was born exactly. this way. Actually, they have a musical number where they all sing that song. <laughs> Lady Gaga is one of the witches. Exactly. Guys, you know what? Uh, I'm really looking forward to A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. man. I hear it's really good. Bradley I- Cooper looks so sunburned for some reason. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what? I just want to take, take another, another look, look at you. I just want to take another look at you. Yeah. I, you say, do you sing songs or what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, uh, uh, God damn it. Why He's like mutated it? into Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Completely. I bet you he looks like Chris Christopherson when he's older. Also, Just guys, I learned recently that he also, like, wrote most of the songs in the movie. Guys, this could be a year where Bradley Cooper wins three Oscars. Hey, what are you doing being a triple threat, Bradley Cooper? Do you dance in this movie, too? Yeah, yeah you I dare, bet he don't square dare. dances and Once pull it, a Hugh Jackman on us and become just good at everything. No, no, no but yeah. here's the thing. Hugh Jackman is not directing. Because look, yeah, that's true. You attractive, handsome actors stay in front of the camera. That's what you're made for. Know your place. <laughs> look, directing is for us people. Who uggos. Is for us uggos. Us ookums, spookums. <laughs> who like look, look the John Clares of podcast layout. <laughs> exactly. It's like we've got faces for podcasting <laughs> and for film directing. <laughs> 
and don't and like you, Bradley Coopers, and your Carrie Fukunagas, and your Taika Waititi's, your John Hams. John Ham isn't directing. He's yeah, but he's just so multifaceted. Yeah, John Ham can do everything. I'm sure he can direct too. But uh, guys, d- just like stop, stop making it tougher for the rest of us. Just cool it. Yeah, so cool. Bradley Cooper. Collect your Oscars for acting, directing, and songwriting. I don't know, maybe, I think you have a screenplay credit as well. <laughs> Get your four Oscars, and then just cool it, okay? Yeah. yeah. Go home. What, you think you're going to really be limitless? <laughs> oh! Yeah. That'd be Good funny if we H. end up finding out, like, <laughs> like, like, movies start having, like, in sports when you get tested for... You know, having steroids, and then all of you realize all these people are taking like limitless drugs, and it's like you're no longer allowed to win an Academy Award if you made a movie on the limitless drug. Okay, <laughs> it's not a fair play for all the other directors that directed movies not on the limitless drug. Bradley Cooper has a uh, a press conference. It's like <laughs> I just want you all to know that I thought it was clear the film Limitless was a documentary. I yeah. took a urine test before I submitted this. Exactly. It, it was not a fictional film, but you all interpreted it that way. I think I've been I'm using taking, these for years. Yeah. I think I'm taking the Limitless drug, but I'm just taking slow-mo from Judge Dredd. <laughs> and they're like, you owed us a screenplay like a couple months ago. And I'm just like, I'm just listening to Vitalik's like, just like... <laughs> Why do you think I was so good in the Hangover movies? The Limitless Drug. <laughs> That's how I was so funny in the Hangover films. You know Limitlessly what? funny. Infinite funniness. I will say... <laughs> I, I, I always have to give Bradley Cooper props because his first film was What Hot American Summer. And then after he became like so a like multi-Oscar-nominated actor, he still returned for... The Wet Hot American Summer Netflix Why show. Oh Burnt yeah. was so good. <laughs> <laughs> limitless uh, pills. It was the limitless pills. <laughs> <laughs> so let's the where were we? Let's talk about Josh and Ava Green staying at the cabin because that's the big romantic yeah. crux of the season. And Josh uh, is in some cozy ass sweaters. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. They look Josh's super sweater game on point. <laughs> Josh is wearing some good sweaters and look, you know what? Uh, so this is a movie where they're like, yo, the heat is on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Beverly Hills Cop. And so we got to get out of the city and go to this old house in the country kind of like oh, and also and wear sweaters there. Like with <laughs> Noel and I. I was going to say, yeah, like, like, like the film Skyfall, written by John Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah, like Skyfall. Truth. Yeah. Hey, did we catch John Logan in a repeat? Is this a writerly tick that he has? Uh, yeah, did you get- <laughs> When he doesn't know what to do with himself, he just writes it that the main characters need to run away to a sleepy cottage in the moors. And put yeah. sweaters on. And put sweaters on. <laughs> And that reminisce. That is true. Everyone looks so cozy. Well, maybe it was... Well, hey, Skyfall is the highest grossing Bond movie. made a billion dollars. Maybe he was like, yo, maybe it was just the, like... Rural house and sweaters. <laughs> that's what he. Maybe wanted. that's my secret. That now. is an untapped thing. Is it. like you know what you need to do. You need to recreate coziness and higa in uh, your movies. <laughs> right. He's like, get a fireplace in there. Get sweaters. He's thinking back to his filmography and he's like, yo, I mean, like, Woolen like Gladiator and the Aviator did okay, but uh, if there was like a cottage and sweaters, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe just in a sweater, <laughs> oh, just chatting yes. with Joaquin. Just being like, hey, I know it's really hot because it's Rome, but, but man, but the sweater is nice. Boy, is it comfy and not itchy. Yeah. You put it on. But uh, yeah, Josh, <laughs> Josh wears some great sweaters. Also, Josh chops down, he chops down that old tree. Yeah, because Vanessa tells him about the fact that the cut wife was burned at that tree. And he goes, you know what? Let's stop having the goddamn past 
haunt us. <laughs> yeah. Also, and I'm just going to say... As, she so, says she hates trees, which is a very funny thing. That is me. a funny line, by the way. Yeah. I hate sand. It's basically that line. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Trees, they grow and they stick up and they it's hard to see through. They get everywhere. They get your, everywhere. You can hang your friend on and burn them alive on it. And I'm just going to say, as someone who began his, his filmmaking career making movies about me being a lumberjack... Yes, true, yeah. Josh's technique with uh, chopping with chopping the tree, really good. Yeah. Yeah, really good, good axe technique. I mean, Josh is looking good axe tech. Both cozy and burly. Okay. Yeah. Well, because he yeah, he doesn't <laughs> wait, wait, He doesn't have to dress up anymore. <laughs> He's out in the country. No, he look good. Uh, he can put on his like casual clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking Henleys. We're talking <laughs> Look at his uh, suspe- nice his suspenders are hanging down from his waist. We're talking sweaters with these nice kind of like like two button collars. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're good. Yeah, and basically, like, has Josh ever Pea looked more with, rugged than mm. this? I don't think so. Um, I wanted to talk about, especially in this section, because, look, we had an episode earlier in the season when all of the characters consummate some sort of fucked up relationship, right? And then, so now we have Josh and Vanessa Ives, Ava Green, standing Finally, in this cottage together, and they're alone, and they're connecting, And look, if anything's ever gonna happen, it's gonna happen here. And it happens in the most spectacular way Ever. I mean, this is like... I, I, I laughed out loud when I watched this kiss between them it's happen. so because funny. Yeah. They're, they're having this intense conversation, and a thunderstorm is happening outside, and a bolt of lightning strikes the thatch roof of this little cottage and sets it ablaze it's on and travels down through the chimney and explodes in an eruption of flames out of the fireplace and sets the entire cabin on fire, <laughs> which they great. then have to put out. And now the roof is burned down, so there's rain pouring down on them, even though they're indoors. And they're slapping the fire out, and they finally get it all put out. And they're both breathing heavily and looking at each other and like, house is all fucked up. And then just... <laughs> run towards each other and have a big old smooch indoors in the rain. <laughs> so you had, you had fire and rain all at the same time. And uh, werewolf and semi-witch. Oh, and they I've make out. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Yeah. And I've it's, seen Josh Hart hit uh, kiss <laughs> Ava Green. Ava Green. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's great. Like I could not ask for a better way for them to kiss for the first time. It, it was fantastic. But then yeah. they break apart and Vanessa goes, you know this can never last. We're too dangerous. The both yeah. of us. And so she has that kind of like gross voice she puts on sometimes. She's like, no. Yeah. We can't kiss. Also, so <laughs> I call him. So funny thing about Ava Green. Ava. She. <laughs> thank you, Matt. Uh, she's from France and yet has mostly played British characters. She does a great British accent, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, compare her to, like, Marion Cotillard, who had to work so, so hard to even just be able to speak English, like, <laughs> uh, like uh, clearly in yeah. movies, and will never not have a super French accent. And yeah. then here's Ava Green just You're being, like... not talented. <laughs> <laughs> Marion Cotillard... <laughs> Yeah. We love you anyways. I don't like your movies. <gasps> oh, I do. Love you and Rose. I'm sorry. Did JK, I love, I love her. Um, wait, wait. Is it, does Marion Cotillard think that uh, the moon landing was faked? Or oh, that, hey, let's no, not no, get no, into her no, personal no, beliefs. No, I didn't know no, she was so smart. That are wrong. <laughs> Marion Cotillard believes some non, some insane stuff. Some, some straight up nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you know that the earth is actually... Uh, straight up flat it's actually uh 
a, it is a sphere, but it's inside a hollow sphere. So we're like a. This disc. is the premise of my new film, Hollow Sphere. <laughs> hollow Sphere, yeah. People thought when you went into space, you'd get to the stratosphere, but they were wrong. The holosphere. Can I just quote my favorite uh, Rob Schraub thing from Harmontown? Please. Okay. Where he's I don't just know. like, we're always going is. up whenever we're looking into space. We're always flying up. But why don't we ever go down? <laughs> <laughs> there could be a whole other. We need to go down. There could be a whole other thing down there. Oh, God. It's so stupid. It's, it's hilarious. It's the dumbest thing ever. I love it. That's what I feel about space. <laughs> Try down for once in a while. Yeah, God. Um, yeah. Well, I sheesh. Mean, Sheesh, NASA. And so... <laughs> Sheesh, NASA. So, yeah, so... so That's just phonetically funny. I know. So, so basically, the uh, the will-they-won't-they they relationship between Josh and Ava continues. Oh, yeah. Because... Because uh, they won't yet. They, uh, you know, w- we do have some uh, muchas smuchas for Elecon <laughs> Kistador. Ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, the, credit yeah. for that goes to the character... Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, they, they kiss, and then they, that's all. That's right. They kiss, and then they can no longer be together. So Victor Frankenstein rolls in. Yeah, because she in did a, tell him where he, she was. Yes. And he's like, guys, come back. Sir Malcolm Murray is in trouble. Or no, is it Malcolm Murray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Malcolm he's Murray's been kidnapped. in trouble. He's he's, been kid- he broke out of the spell because his yes. manservant, I, whose name I'm forgetting... Uh, J- Sembene. Yeah. Who Sem- tragically dies. Yeah. And by the way, it's I was but, a little disappointed because I thought he would be built up into a little but bit of a But hold on, character. hold on. Go on. This is, I have a theory because of his little speech and yeah. because of the long game yeah. that is being played with this show. Yes. He talks all about, he has a whole speech to Josh post werewolf revelation about the monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eats the leopard, yeah, and uh, how those every every consumption then creates a new form of life in which the thing that consumed is now residing in the thing that consumed it. So I'm wondering, ooh, if Sembene will be part will be part of now Josh's collective weird memory, and he will like be like semi possessed or J- something. Jake, say nothing. But yeah, oh yeah. So, I will so remain silent. So we should mention this happens. It. This happens in uh, the, the second to last episode when they all when uh, Malcolm Murray has has gone to the witch's house. Yeah, who like, can't like, fart now alone, <laughs> and that will mean nothing to the listeners because I cut it out. No. Uh, but so he he has gone alone yes. to, to the house, and then the rest of the crew follow after him. And anyway, uh, Josh and Sabene they they get stuck in a place together, and Josh didn't want to go this night for like the the big attack because it's the full moon. Yeah. Speaking of which, that was the time to mention that I'm going to go turn into a werewolf tonight. Like of all the times to be like, no, don't, and then tell us why Josh we can't go to the witch's house tonight. It's like why he ah, can't, I can't say. It's like why he couldn't go to the ball. There's yeah. the part where where Avril is like, "Hey, uh, will you accompany me to the ball?" and he just goes, "Friday? No, I can't." And then just walks away and I was like, yeah. "Dude, yeah. like you had uh, she like asked you." <laughs> uh but but yeah. Whoa. So so but but, but also said Benny is the only person who knows that he's a werewolf. Right. Because right. there's, there's a part where he like chains himself up in the basement and somebody is like like there or like when sees it happen. Yeah. And uh, anyway, they're stuck in a in like a, a corridor together. They're trapped. Josh becomes a werewolf and uh, 
kills Sun Bene. And, yeah. and it's kind of, it's a bummer. He like eats rips his throat out. And I was like, yeah. oh man. It's also kind of a bummer because he's the one black character on the show and now he's dead. Yeah. And, and he was just starting to like open up yeah. <laughs> and become kind of interesting because throughout the second season two, they build up a, a light friendship between Josh and Simbene as well, where they like hang out in the kitchen together and make pastries every now and then and, de- and delicious cake, which they try it's and fun. share with the other people in the house. Well, Simbene is cool too, because he's like, you know, I don't know much about you, all of us in this house, like we've done horrible things. We're like not good people work. As he says, you found kindness amongst the unkind. Yeah. And then he's like, Simbene, like what? Like, what's your story? What's your deal? And you don't get a ton from him, but he's like, basically, like, I, he was like, well, I mean, like, on, you know, on the continent, like, I was actually pretty hated and feared, and I was well, also a would, slave trader. Yeah, he was a slave trader. And that's why he trade. has the scarrings. Right, yeah. yeah. So his scarification is, like, uh, part of this, like, I don't know if he self-administered, it's unclear whether he administered it or he had it, like, done to him. Right. But, but yeah. But penance of some sort to keep in mind the people that he traded away but like the big reveal is that like yeah he was a slave trader and that's like the thing that he kind of keeps with him as like his big evil that he committed on on humankind exactly so So, i thought you know it felt like maybe we'd we'd get a san bene flashback right yep but uh well we'll we'll see but his throat got ripped out exactly also speaking of throats getting ripped out josh slashes out the throat of Evelyn Poole. That's right. Oh, yeah. And it rules, especially when you see her dead body. And with her just, head's almost completely off. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there, again, this, this show has always delivered on the gore, and there is some A-plus gore with mm-hmm. her corpse. And I was glad because gore, a little light this season. Compared to last season? It's a broody yeah. season, so, yeah. So gore, not as much, but you know what it does have? What's that? Sexy. Six. Blood. Oh, blood. Blood. Oh, yes. Red, red blood. Because there (laughs) is a scene at Dorian Gray's ball, the one that Josh Mm. does not attend. Because he's werewolfing. He's going to (laughs) sneeze. And he did it. Oh, another one. Oh, three. I hate this. The ultimate triumvirate. I thought you guys could have maybe talked while I was sneezing. Okay, well, talk now. I'm, I have to go to, to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, I, I'm, all right. like, I'm like chugging so much water, I got to pee. Yeah, yeah. Pat's been really trying to... Round of applause for Pat for uh, soldier, soldiering on. Soldiering on through this sickness. So the we illness. said that, uh, Evelyn Poole has died in a pool of her own blood. Hey, uh, pool of her own blood. Because the uh, attack party has come. They've saved Sir Malcolm Murray. They've killed every witch except Hecate. Well, Hecate, this is one other thread, too, of the season that we haven't really mentioned, which is that she is, as as um, Lyle is playing a double game, potentially leaking information about his friends to the witches, Hecate is actually not totally in league with her own mother and right. kind of wants to take power of the witch coven herself. But that's more clear. She's constantly, she's like clear. a seven-year-old child. She's like yeah. testing the bounds of her mother's like uh, patience and like what she can get away with it's but, clear that like it's kind of like a pecking order yeah like but that's why it's important because evelyn kills a, another witch earlier on for just kind of not not doing succeeding the job. totally at a, at a job yeah so, she's she's sort of terrible and, and rules with an iron fist and probably out of fear most of the witches that work for her but uh, can i say another the- another huge theme of this season last season i forget what it was it was just sort of like the notion of immortality mm-hmm 
this one keeps the notion of immortality as like a huge driving force because the immortals are now almost like a, a, a sub character set because you've yeah. got Lily and uh, and, uh, and Dorian. Dorian, but and John Cale. A, the big theme in this one is like you know because you have the pivot episode where everyone fucks. Right. There's this coupling notion that occurs throughout the entire season this time. That like that's like a big theme is like these people who want to live forever uh but realize that they don't want to be alone while they do it. Yeah, like, like the, the price of uh, immortality seems to be a, a a weird sense of just eternal loneliness and you have all of these characters trying to in all of get their failed and desperate ways uh, significant others to figure out that situation and all usually too bad and poor end results yeah. to well, get that partner. Well, no one succeeds except no for one. Dorian and Lily. Oh, right. true. They're like the new couple on ten, on the block, right? Yes. At the end of the season, yeah. Exactly. And uh, that said, that that comes after, uh, you know, Dorian has has his his whole little his romance with Angelique, uh, and he ends up poisoning her, and that's the the end of her. And then it seems like Lily is going to potentially be paired with, at first, um, John Clare, John Clare, and then with with Victor Frankenstein, and neither of those work out. But and right. also. Th- they both promised to kill Victor. So the whole time I was waiting for him to get at least attacked by the end of it. But then once... Okay, so the coven is dispersed. Hecate... Betrays her mom. Betrays her own mother. Her escapes. plan doesn't go totally according to plan. I think she was hoping that Vanessa Ives would also be murdered by, you know, her Josh. Mom. Or Josh, yeah. Um, but so she burns down the witch's house and, and leaves not looking back. Classic action movie style. Yep, yeah. Um, if only it exploded. And she had sunglasses. Yeah, she put on some <laughs> sweet Oakleys. Uh, but then you kind of get the conclusion of everyone's arc for the season, setting the stage for the next one. So Josh turns himself in. Right, because also there was this new Scotland Yard inspector that's been investigating him as this, I mean, he's right, about uh, as a suspect in the murders that happened at the the Mariner's Inn at the end of last season. Right. Uh, because he had stayed there and wasn't really accounted for. Right. He seems to have these weird connections with Malcolm Murray, who has a, like, steel-reinforced door <laughs> in his house. But, yeah, basically, and uh, he's right, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for a long time, Josh is just like, I, I like Josh's interactions with him because this is when he gets to be charming because he's yeah. like, doesn't give a shit and is like, what are you going to do? You can't touch me. Yeah. And then there's the moment when he reveals that he, he has learned Josh's real name. That's not Ethan Chandler. It's Ethan Talbot. Yeah, and he's yeah, found yeah. out he's traced that back to America. And especially then when eventually... He even has, like, extradition papers yeah. from America, but then the, the tables really turn, and Josh kind of slowly realizes, like, wait, I I can't escape this. Like, they they know who I am. They knew who, even if they don't yeah. know, like, what I am, like, I can't get away. Yeah. And so Josh is going to America, finally. Well, he hopes that the Scotland Yard will hang him that day. He wants day. to die, yeah. He wants to die quickly, and they don't give him that benefit right in his mind that benefit hey and instead they're like we're gonna take you back to the states jake can you tell us um in season three yes when josh arrives in america do they play the song coming to america oh uh the neil diamond song yeah uh yes they do and it's a great montage that's cool yeah 
And uh, jo- actually, Josh and the the guy from Scotland Yard sing it together. Whoa, <laughs> they ride horses that into rocks. Old town. So, so yeah. like in the world of the show, did Josh like write the song on the boat? Yeah, yeah. So they do this like funny moment on the boat where you know Josh is like in a cage because he's like, "Lock me up, I'm dangerous." But they give him some stuff like papers and a pen, and he's scribbling furiously. And the Scotland Yard guy comes. He goes, "What are you doing, sir?" And he's like, "Something just struck me. Wrote a rock opera. Wrote a, wrote a fucking dope ass rock song." I like the idea of he maybe goes, well, he does he? a Teen Wolf type thing yeah. when he gets to America where he like is good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> no, he invents he basketball. Invents, he basketball invents and shows basketball. it to a bunch of people in a wild west town. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining it's a, it's Josh with the electric guitar playing basketball, <laughs> singing Coming to America. He like does a flip off the bow of the boat <laughs> onto the pier. So that's Josh's role. And then yeah. Vanessa. So also, they're really <laughs> setting up for like next season is going to be the big Josh season, where yeah. like we learn more about what he's been up to, his roots. He re- he's returning home finally. Yeah, his hidden past. Victor's just sort of a depressed drug addict at this point, pretty hopeless. He just sort of shoots up finally in between his fingers and passes out in his completely yeah. trashed laboratory. Uh, Vanessa burns her burn, finally gives up god she she turns her back on she, she her catholic faith takes a crucifix off the wall and throws it in and the fire and throws it in the fire yep. and um, uh, and doesn't she have another last chat with john claire yep at the, in the in the underground soup kitchen that she volunteers at periodically right. they have a conversation and john claire does you know, the frankenstein of, thing he goes to the North Pole. Yeah, we, we get that from the original Frankenstein. Right, yeah. And I feel like uh, John Clare's got a fun little story. It's like a little side plot where he is... Oh, so, his end I, that story is so satisfying. Oh, I shit, we, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. He was basically working at an off-brand Madame Tussauds, like yeah. wax works, but they make wax scenes of real-life grisly murders. Like mm-hmm. Because even back in the 1890s, people loved true crime. Oh, yeah. This is what they had in lieu of the ID channel back in Victorian London. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You couldn't just sit at home and tune in and on your couch. Get your rocks off. On your fainting couch. Yeah, right. Your, on your and, fainting couch. Your and, Davenport. And it's kind of funny because the big the big show they're doing is a recreation of the murders caused by Josh <laughs> yeah. at the end. Right. But uh, the, the place is run by this this nice family. There's like this this man who who's like takes him in and is like, we can't offer you a lot of money, but we'll... Uh, but like, look, we'll we'll, we, give, we'll uh, give you we'll let, give you just enough to pay your way. And do they give him room and board? He stays on like uh, the lower level of their house. Yeah, like and that? Uh, they have yeah. A, uh, and then there's his, his wife, who's a little bit like like a little bit colder. And then they have a a nice blind teenage daughter who, uh, which is classic Frank, classic Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and it all seems nice. Frankenberry. And then at the end, it turns out that their plan they lock up. Uh, John Claire and are like, hey, we're gonna start a freak show, and this you is- are our first attraction. And I <laughs> thought this was, the- and so he's all betrayed and feeling really bad. And I loved the turn this took. They like they lock him up in a cage. Yeah, and then. He just rips the door off the cage and then murders them. Well, you realize he's been sitting in the cage voluntarily because he's got that Franken strength. And he hasn't used it to rip <laughs> yeah. the bars off of the, the cage handles because he's just... It seems like once you find out that he could have ripped those away at any moment, that he was sitting in there just a stockpile on reasons I hate humanity for his list that he just has running on going in his head. And he just waits to hear what they have to say for themselves. I think he's also just so soul-crushed by the 
Another thing I liked about the show with, with the blind girl who is from the original Frankenstein story, you know, the young girl who, because she can't see the frightening visage of, of the creature, <laughs> but she can sense the warmness in his heart. I like that John Logan, once again, now that he has like two seasons to play around with this, can start twisting and turning these yeah. classic characters and play with them a little bit. And you actually make her a vile yeah, and conniving just as much of a villain person, just like her father. They're almost like hilariously evil at the end because like the father's just like bought me a new suit <laughs> got a taste for the good life and you're my ticket out to paradise yeah they do make him like comically evil like you it's it's a fuck. pretty dramatic <laughs> switch but the, and then the way it ends is great because the blind daughter is out of the room oh it's so good and he busts out kills uh just just snaps the wife's neck smashes the dad's face repeatedly into a stone wall until it's pulp and then the daughter returns and doesn't realize what's happened because she's blind yeah and uh and it's like and and keeps talking like all confidently like thinking like uh like like, ask where where mother and father are yeah and then he just mom dad you're down there and then he just quietly slips out. And then we see him walking down the street. And you hear her scream as she's discovered the bodies of her parents. Well, that scene's great, especially because she comes down. She's like, Mom, Dad, are you done talking with the creature? And she's like looking around. And you see her standing there. And her parents' dead bodies are there. And John Clare is standing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. Is he going to walk up silently and just murder her right there? But he gives her a chance to redeem herself. She's like, Mr. Clare, are you sleeping in your cell? Having dreams of not being a, a monster. Of Do you dream not, of being a normal person in your sleep? Not dream like, of being fu- so yeah. ugly and yeah. gross, <laughs> unlovable monster. And he's like, a despicable creature that should slither in the mud. And he's like, and you're oh, like, fuck you. Oh, shit. He's going to run up now and break her neck. But then, yeah, he just does even worse. He leaves her in the basement to just stumble literally blindly onto her dead parents' bodies. And yeah, right. it rules. And then have, have to fend for herself without yeah. her parents, with her, her caretaker's gone. Oh my God. And then he just heads off to the Arctic. Uh, the Arctic. Yeah, yeah literally man. goes to the Arctic Circle. And I'm trying to, oh, oh. And then Malcolm goes to Africa. He goes to Africa. Well, to bury well, some Benny. To bury his, his, uh, yes, to bring some Benny back. And I'm assuming also probably to like finally name that mountain after his son. Peter. Also, also his 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 dead son returned. This is the part where he's like imprisoned by the uh, witches, at, at, by the witches, and and all his dead family uh, reappear to him, and you know they're like tormenting him, and he because he's I mean he should feel kind of guilty because yeah he sounds like he was kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, Ma- Malcolm Murray is one of these characters that he's he's one of the few characters that doesn't do anything particularly bad during the time frame that the show's set. Right. But was equally a terrible husband and father in the past. Like a true piece of shit. He was just a philandering egomaniac yeah. who used travel and adventure to uh, sort of avoid dealing with his family yeah. while uh, also ending up killing his son by trying to force him into being an explorer. And cheating on his wife. Cheating on his and, wife. Yeah. And his son died in the in the in transit. So just were, just in case you thought Malcolm Murray was like the most charming person in this show, just because he didn't murder anybody. And also Timothy Dalton season. is very charming. That's true. But what it's I, hard what, not to look at that guy's is, face. What is tough about that, you know, is like I said before, it's just yeah. it's hard when he is just kind of a angry but sad old man. Yeah, to f- to really feel the import, I guess, of the dead family, it starts to almost become more of a joke to me than than a proper 
I don't know. I guess they literally like brought a dead family back to haunt him for this to him like bring the point home. They haunt both of those guys in an effort made, to yeah. Well, get them to kill themselves. Two of those three characters. Yeah. Were also, we get it live. We get yeah. a cameo by the first creature from season one, the one that yeah. John Claire killed, Carl Pilkington. Pro- yeah, Proteus Pilkington. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you're you're right about what you're saying about uh. Malcolm Murray, and that's part yeah. of why I liked when he is suddenly in love with uh, was it Evelyn Poole because mm-hmm. it's right. like, oh wow, he's he's got a whole new dynamic. He's like yeah. happy yeah. and just like he's a different character now. And but yeah, everyone kind of leaves off in interesting places. Everyone's going in different directions. And I want to backtrack because we have not talked about one of I think all of our favorite parts of the season: mm-hmm. the ball. Oh yeah, because everyone loves a good ball. Yeah. Yes, it's it's like surprising that we haven't had a ball yet. Uh, oh yeah, in the show, it's, you're right. That is a lot of surprising. Crack. Look, when I when I think upper crack. class people, Victorian right? England, I just think they just attend balls all the time. Yeah, like every other day at least. Yeah, yeah. because right? uh, I learn all the new cool waltzes that they uh, that are popular. Right. So at this ball, obviously, there's a lot of dancing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Vanessa, who, you know, she's kind of bummed out because Josh didn't go with her. She's there alone, like yeah. a loser. <laughs> Which is, back then, big old statement. Ooh, yeah. That is true. That is true. And uh, we have a lot of the main cast there. This is sort of where everybody gets to reconnect and bump into one another and then sort of... It's the first time Dorian interacts with anybody. Exactly, yeah. And he, and this is where him and Brona, who ends up becoming... Uh, they become more of a relationship towards the end of the season. They meet and sort of he vaguely remembers her when she was a prostitute and came to his. Well, uh, I think in hindsight, yeah. what you're supposed to realize is that they are both acting because Lily from the moment of her aware, like, you know, rise into consciousness again. Right. Was always fully aware of what was going on and and way more evil. Right. And I think Dorian Gray is. too. Yeah, he's just playing along. I guess you're right. I mean, Dorian Gray, we don't even know how old he is. <laughs> like, well, based on his portrait, old. But he's and, not even and, and ugly. But that's so not even old. an old man. He's like a monster. He looks like, like a golem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like kind of like rotting and warty and. Just... But he's all like hunched over. Like he's, yeah. he's like in like a golem pose. <laughs> he looks yeah. like golem. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, but but it, but like R-rated golems, where his like got bones golem. exposed. Big dick. Yeah. <laughs> Huge yeah. wiener. BDG. <laughs> Big dick golem. Fun fact: that imagine was... if that was part of the original cut of the movie before they edited it. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's in like the dragging. Matt, around. it's in the extended cut. <laughs> <laughs> the extended uncut. More like. More like it. Uh, oh, man. So anyways, uh, this big dick golem in disguise is dancing around this ballroom with uh, a Franken lady. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody's having a grand old classy time. The witches, knowing that Vanessa's there, decide to start playing witchy mental mind games with her. Mm. And they, that, that sounds like the name of a uh, some sort of like... just. Rock album from the seventies, witchy mental, mental mind, mind games. games. Ooh, and everybody that plays in that band is wearing tight, tight spandex. Yeah, long curly just hair, crushed velvet uh, <laughs> uh, shirts. I was imagining this was like a Santana album or oh, something. Oh, Santana, Santana. album. <laughs> just because no, of Black honestly, Magic Woman. Yeah. 
Uh, it just it just seems like a thing that a band like them would do. Yeah, mm. just like one of one of those types of just like you know the rock bands that just like cranked out a bunch of music. Oh, yeah. maybe like a Grateful Dead album. Now I would yeah. say that Black Magic Woman should be the song that plays during this. <laughs> so this okay, but what happens here? As they're dancing, we suddenly transport into what seems like Vanessa's head, and she notices something fall from the ceiling. A drop of something, perhaps. Mm. And that, that something is uh, a certain color. It's the color red. And she looks at it. And, uh, and it's red. And, she and it's red. It. And she looks at it. <laughs> and she realizes that a drop of blood has fallen from the ceiling. And then we proceed to get one of the coolest set pieces so far that we've witnessed, which is that the entire ballroom... It starts raining blood on all of the dancers, mm. and Vanessa included. It's, it's sort of red blood. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, it, it's kind of like the, the classic Blade blood rave. Oh, yes. yeah. Except here, no one notices the blood. Vanessa's there freaking out mm-hmm. as she sees, and, and it's great. The blood pours down. It's like like accumulating on the floor. There's like puddles of blood. Everything is coated in blood. I was thinking about like, what must this have been like to shoot? Yeah. I know, right? So like, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's uh, how many you, outfit changes do you think everybody had to get? Everyone to is get drenched right? with blood, <laughs> yeah. and it looks like. And remember, this is Dorian Gray's portrait room. Yeah, the portraits coated with blood. It is raining blood. Yeah, yeah. S- sort of like the Slayer song. Yeah. Well, no, but actually, also like another song, and w- which is the song that me and Matt thought. <laughs> I think. Should have scored the entire scene, because yes. as and many other scenes, including the Blade Blood Rave, including the Blade Blood Rave, Blood Rave. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, one of uh, Mia Matt's all-time favorite songs, a good little hit from a uh, you might have heard of him, an artist known as Peter, oh, it's, it's Peter Gabriel, <laughs> Peter Gabriel, and that song is called Red Rain, Red Rain, and it's coming down, it's coming down all, all over, over me. me. And we wanted basically as the <laughs> as the red rain starts falling onto the uh, ballroom floor, that soft tinkling Stuart Copeland hi hat <laughs> comes in, <laughs> and then the booming bass, and then as soon as the drums truly kick in, red rain is falling as it just erupts and pours over everybody. And for for maybe our younger listeners who are not familiar with this song. Uh, or anybody, probably. Well, here, here, here's the t- album. So here's yeah. here's a taste of it right here. Okay. Oh, that was good. That was that good. was a good taste Damn. of yeah. that song. But okay, so so Matt and Jake, <laughs> it always leaves me wanting more though. I so uh, before we recorded this, we yeah. put on the song Red Rain, and the two of you, as you do anytime the song comes on, burst into hysterical laughter. Uh-huh. It's so funny. So, no, 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 no. It's so no. Funny. But the song is funny for a reason for you two. Can you explain your <laughs> your personal connection to the song Red Rain? Okay. Wow. This is this is so convolutedly <laughs> Look, stupid. I made but you yes, explain begging. <laughs> For an onion, you can explain Red Rain. So we had this really, really was it a stupid idea for a commercial, right? Yeah, code, I think I think code, for Mountain Dew, it was code, a Mountain Red. Dew code Red commercial. I think, I think this was like twenty, tw- maybe thirteen. As in, like yeah. this was in one of our writing meetings. I think someone <laughs> this pitched this idea, <laughs> and and I was like, guys, 
there is no way we can make that. Yeah. Not, not not that I don't want to, but like here's that, the that, one thing I brought. That's to the impossible. That, so, all right. Imagine if you will a commercial for Mountain Dew Code Red. And uh, I know it's hard, but try and imagine <laughs> try if to, Mountain Dew Code Red had an advertisement. <laughs> Close your eyes and think deep and long and hard about this. There are a bunch of kids, and they're hanging out outside, right? And as they would be do, as as any kid would be doing, just showing with their buddies, they're they're all cracking open some fresh bottles of Mountain Dew Code Red, and uh, they're sipping them and they're getting excited because yeah, there's a lot of the sugar, sugar. caffeine. They're ready to maybe head Red back 40. home and play some video games. Yeah, perhaps. and uh, maybe the leader of the group. The 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 gang leader of 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 the of the buddies. He takes a big swig of Mountain Dew Code Red, and suddenly he starts vibrating and charging up. And his friends take a couple of steps back from him. They don't know what's happening. They're concerned, and their buddy just launches into the air. Just the sheer power of Mountain Dew Code Red fueling him and sh- and shooting him up into the stratosphere. And and as he flies up in a powerful majestic trajectory into space a boeing 747 <laughs> comes by and the friend gets sucked into the intake jet and um is eviscerated and shredded and uh rendered into blood mist if you will <laughs> and his, their friends look up into the sky in utter disbelief cue Stuart copeland's hi-hat <laughs> why'd you say that from the beginning of Peter Gabriel's Red, Red Rain, Rain. <laughs> as, as droplets of viscera <laughs> with Mountain Dew Code Red <laughs> added in the mix drop onto their faces, and for whatever strange reason, the friends like it too. They're not horrified at all. They start mm-hmm. in fact, their, their mouths are open, <laughs> yeah. filling with secondhand Mountain Dew Code, Code Red, Red Red Rain. Friend blood viscera. And so Red Rain is falling down. Oh, it's and so And the full stupid. song plays, it's about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how long the commercial is. That's how long the commercial will have to be. I don't know how we fill the rest, but it doesn't matter. And so that that is the five-year-old <laughs> idea, which uh, the video has not been made, but the joke lives on. Yeah. And, uh, so and so it, if you ever, so if you ever wanted an insight into uh, the brains of the brothers Torpy, there you go. If you ever wanted Please help us, it's a nightmare. But Keep an like, eye out too for whenever we decide to use that joke. This comes That's up true. frequently. Yeah. Just this joke in this song. <laughs> uh, if you ever wanted an insight into uh, our videos that have n- not are. Un- produced videos there's one of them also uh mountain dew if you want to sponsor this podcast yes. we will uh we'll accept uh like just vast quantities of mountain dew code red also money um <laughs> also uh mountain dew if you'd like to produce that commercial we'll direct it just like yeah give, we'll do it give us i i would say give us Ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, our yeah. Mo- oh yeah, 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 and 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 we will knock it out of the fucking park. We uh, have so many commercial ideas. We oh we do. Uh, some produced, just not yet released. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. but yeah, and so uh, also if if you are just a, a a listener with a lot of money to burn and yeah. you want to see that happen for real, uh, feel free to just send us a budget and we'll make that commercial. Yeah, make it happen. Listen, Mountain you know Code how P.T. Anderson got that rich person to give him money for... I forget what it was. A commercial or something? No, 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 for a movie, right? 
Mm, wasn't there some the rich Coen ben- brothers got like a, a wealthy dentist relative or something? Oh, maybe yeah, that's to, what I was thinking. Money. Sam Raimi raised money simple. for the Evil Dead by going to people who owned supermarkets. <laughs> really? Yeah, he that's would just keep, he would go. They made a short film. Uh, I think it was called The Woods. Huh. Uh, that that became the Evil Dead, and they would sc- set up a pr- little projector and screen in supermarkets, and then screen it for people who own supermarkets, and be like, "Will you give us money to make a feature length version of this?" Oh, that's great! And, I didn't know uh, that. They did. That's how they raised the budget. Hitting the pavement. That is the part that's that I good. hate doing. I'm just like, I don't wanna. I don't wanna talk to strangers and ask for money. I love that though. Is at the end of uh, the Evil Dead? Is it just like special thanks to Gristides? <laughs> Shoprite. Probably. Maybe anyway, a okay. Ghoul so, hag woman will be in there that they have to shotgun to death. <laughs> so now I uh, I got what I wanted. I got you guys to explain oh, the Red Rain joke. It's yeah. out there in the open. I hope now. people liked it as much as yeah. we still like it. Feel free to make memes. Oh, yeah. um, also, uh, I, I won't tell you what one, but we did fit part of that joke into a video from uh, a few years back. Short little guy, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but guys, anything else to say about Penny Dreadful season Oof, two? Man, no. It's 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 an improvement from the first season. They've gotten to expand everything. They get to now. I've, I've I've said this before, but just subvert the characters now that they've established and gotten. They've they've moved on from the whole uh, Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, cool! The characters there, and now are making the characters do things that they never originally did in the um, source material that they came from. Also, better antagonists. Better antagonists. Although Satan out. was a doll, and it was a little silly. It was, it, yeah. Vanessa it, Ives' big showdown is with a doll that looks like a Nutcracker. Well, it's a Vanessa her. Ives Nutcracker yeah. too. And it's like of hello, her. and it's like hello, I'm you, and she's like. No, you're not. Oh, then who am I? Can you name me? Lucifer and scorpions. Yes. But um, all the scorpions were cool. The scorpions, oh, were scorpions. Cool. Oh yeah. By the way, the scorpion thing. Uh, the, the cut wife called her like my little scorpion. Yeah. yeah. And that became like her sort of sigil. Yes. Right. And then she paints it with blood. Yeah. yeah. Blood glyph. When she's doing sigil, sigil magic. <laughs> Yeah. Grant Morrison, if you want to come on the podcast. Grant Morrison, come on the podcast. Tell us your thoughts about Josh Hartnett. Oh uh, I fucking love him. I fucking He's love great. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> my favorite film is 30 Days and 30 Nights. It's, it's 40 Days and 40 Nights. I keep fucking it up. Jake, Jake you hosted Josh Hartnett podcast, and you still don't know the name of his, of his fucking and, movies. And, of course, I pick the same movie again that I keep messing up. You all, You do this almost every episode. Now. I love Mozart in the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jake, that re- you you're just redeemed yourself. All right, <laughs> totally <laughs> redeemed yourself. <laughs> no, I just I, this season was better than the first one, and I really liked the first one. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a heart on, and uh, I reserve my judgment summarily for the show until the last season. Now that I know that it is a more sort of long-term development. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to see where this thing goes in the final season. Also, I'm expecting we get some more Josh. So, oh, Jake, yeah. Jake, as the person who's the overachiever of the group, who's watched it already, that's right. Uh, the he, overachiever who can't remember the names of the movies that we're talking yeah, about. Exactly. I'm with you, though, I, and I'm the I, one who who, who <laughs> records this and edits it, and yeah. I do all the technical stuff, and I run the social that's media. That's true. Uh, but um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so so Jake, is there and some I get parts that get edited out? And uh, <laughs> yep, that's work I have to do. Uh, so so Jake. Is there good uh, Josh Josh stuff in season three? Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a yes or no question. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. Good, good, great. 
So, uh, listeners, we'll be back here. Uh, chances are, next episode will be Penny Dreadful, season three, the third three. and final season. I'm excited. Of the Dreadful series. Yeah, I mean, look, we watched five times as much material as research for this episode that we oh, usually yeah. do, and it was way more enjoyable than a lot of what we've watched in the past. Oh, yeah. I. Uh, Again, I, I think this this was a great career choice for Josh Hartnett. I realize the city paycheck did factor in probably because he had a child yes, that he had to true. raise. But also, this is just, he just picked good material and good collaborators. And I did hear that Showtime pitched him a lot of shows. Yes, we discussed that on the last yeah. episode. So all I'm saying is reiterating, I guess, that he was picky. But yeah. finally, does get the good material. He's not just doing it for the paycheck, right? Yeah. Of course. And uh, again, he's we, a discerning gentleman. He could have exactly. done a CBS procedural, but he right. did this instead. And look, final things to say: uh, hashtag Let Matt Die in Dune. Yep. Uh, hashtag Josh Hartnett for Batman. Yep. Uh, send us emails. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. Hartnett at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hartnett. Follow us on Instagram at WeHeartHeartNet. Uh, thanks to Brian Hose for our theme song. Thank uh, you. If you if you uh, have a, a spare few seconds, go over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, watch the videos that uh, that we crank out at YouTube.com/slash Patrick H Willems. Follow me on all the social medias at Patrick H Willems. Yes, follow me on Twitter at Jr Torby. Matt. Follow me on Twitter at, at Matthew Torpy. Mm. Follow me at math.sucks on Instagram. And Wonderful. that's all. We'll be back here in one week, you heartthrobs, you. Yeah. Put on your heart hats. Get OSHA certified. Put on those heart hats. <laughs> Good night. Bye-bye.